From noob to maxi, no matter what bags you hold. Just sit back and relax to the sweet sounds of Monero's latest progress. Or if you're feeling inspired, join us on stage. Remember, the only thing that can stop Monero is a false belief that it can be stopped. And if you want to win the revolution faster, we recommend you remove your XMR from all custodial exchanges immediately. Warning, boating accidents are common around here. Don't forget to properly secure your private keys. Monerotopia starts now. Alrighty. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. So, I feel like everybody's a little tired today, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's raining over here. I don't know about you. Is it it's a little yeah. It, yeah, it's been raining a little bit this past week. Uh, yeah, it's dreary, dreary day. It's been a it's been a depressing week with all the news as we as we inch towards World War Three. I feel like it's uh it's eating at people. I don't know about you, but I've experienced that in my personal life. I'm seeing I'm seeing there's a lot of a lot of I don't know reaction, right? It's it's all all this so there's so much propaganda and so much information coming at everybody right on, on twitter it's like it's it's kind of hard to watch i don't know have you been tuning into any of it yeah i've seen i've seen some of it um but i think i think for most people part of the solution is like just to not look at twitter so much because that is the solution but uh <laughs> easier said than done right it's it's built to be looked at uh for better or worse i mean and it's just I mean, I remember. And that's saying to myself because I, I I look at Twitter way too often. Yeah, um, yeah. But that is this. I remember the when the Iraq War, the first Iraq War. I was I don't know. I was a kid. And I was watching it with my dad on CNN, and that seemed crazy at the time, right? You're like you're watching war on on TV. Um, but now it's just a whole nother level. I mean, we're getting like first person viewer, right? As people are getting massacred, it's. It's hard, it's hard. It's hard to deal with. I don't think. I don't think people are really are really meant to to deal with that type of stuff, right? No. And then the amount of like crazy propaganda. Like I've seen so many things that were like pulled within a day. Yeah, it's impossible. It was proven to, to be like not true, or wasn't proven to be true. It's just like they just bombard you with this information, right. and, the, and the damage. The damage is already done, right? It's like, oh, this yeah, was. We yep. realized this was misinformation. It was like a little too late, you know. A hundred million people saw this pass it around and have like reacted. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is there. I guess. I guess we're we're just in this phase where we're gonna have to sort things out. But uh, it seems like things are only gonna get worse for some time, especially with AI. I mean, oh yeah, like this. You know, like at least several years ago, it wasn't at least possible to do a lot of the AI stuff. Um, but now, I mean, it's pretty easy to modify a picture or make something new that will trick so many people and yeah it'll it'll eventually get proven to be false and proven to be ai but you know by then so many people will already have saw seen it and believe it and decisions will be made on that so exactly yep well uh i'm sure that will come up again in our discussion we got tony we haven't had him for a while he's gonna be doing the news today we're gonna actually start with the news today because i think tony has to go uh we don't have a special guest today but we have a bunch of news, so uh, we might as well move things along as quickly as possible. All right. Let's jump Let's to the news. Going with the news. And now for our weekly news segment. Hey, guys. Tony! Tony! It's been a long time, man. I know. It's a bit difficult just because that uh, time zone, because it's 6 p.m. It's kind of more difficult, so that's why sometimes I, I can make it. But 
Where, oh, where are you? Not the time you're in. That's crazy. Uh, I'm in the Romania still. Oh, you're still there. Wow. Yeah. You look all grown up, man. You look like you look like uh, a grown man now. It's been a long time. I know. Is that what Romania does to you? Does it mature you faster? <laughs> Is life life good over there? Yeah, yeah. It's actually interesting because a lot of when I'm in the U.S., everybody's kind of scared to go, especially in this area because of the war in Ukraine, and uh, they're saying how how can you go? But even though there's a war there uh, and in other places as well, now in the world, people still live life as they can, as they still have fun. And I mean, we're not really affected by it. We just get a, lot, a bunch of Ukrainians, but um, uh, yeah, it's, it's good. <laughs> oh, you're getting, you're getting a lot of Ukrainians coming in to Romania? Yeah. Like, I think um, I know last year when I came back again, I was just, I kept hearing Ukrainian in the city and it was so odd. And I was like, what the hell? Did I forget my own language or... And I was like, no, this is actually like a lot of Ukrainian people uh, because where I live, um, it's like five hours away from the border with Ukraine. So it's very, very close. Yeah. Yes. And also we have Moldova and there's some stuff. I mean, yeah, it's a lot of stuff, but it's good. What's the uh, what's the crypto scene these days in Romania? Um, You know, people do know about Monero, actually. Um, people invested, invested in um, the local... There was a local cryptocurrency called Elron, which is actually made in my hometown. And um, yeah, that was that was. Um, you told me about that. Yeah, yeah. The local crypto, huh? Interesting. Uh, yeah, but it's actually like it was top fifteen, I think. Yeah, Elron was bit was large at some point. It was large, yeah. So a lot of people knew about that, uh, and then other than that, I mean, it's kind of like in the U.S. Maybe like people know about it, they're aware, but not especially during this time. Not many people maybe invest. Only the ones that you know, no more of it. So mm -hmm. overall, it's okay. I mean, it could be a lot better. But people do know of Monero, which is nice. Yeah, I mean, I mean things uh, obviously everywhere. I think the uh, you know price is down, so people aren't paying attention. Yeah. For uh, but not in Monero. Like, like people know about it, they're aware. But things uh, grow in adoption for sure. Um, but yeah, take it away with the news, man. I know we got a lot of a lot of stuff. So yes. go ahead, go for it. Also, what I wanted to say is that. Um, it's kind of interesting how, I mean, overall Monero boils down to just privacy and having financial freedom, which it will enable more overall freedom. Um, but because it, it ties into politics and, and economy, and there's always things to talk about in that regard. And also, of course, updates to Monero. So I think there's going to be endless, endless Monero news. Because I was, in the beginning, I was thinking, you know, I mean, I guess, or I guess you, you mentioned one time, dog, that people said that maybe gonna run out of stuff to say eventually but not really it's endless stuff yeah i mean it's the the monero represents in my mind the opposite to you know this this movement towards one world government all that stuff so yes. as as that grows the importance and significance of monero grows so there's there's no shortage of monero news no uh, as, as no. we fight world techno tyranny for sure not um but yeah the first thing that i want to mention is uh fluorine fermi update which has been released so let's um let's open it so this is version 0.18.3.1 release of the monero software and it's a lot of stuff this release optimizes wallet refresh and contains important bug fixes so it's a huge update um optimizes wallet refresh by reducing periodic rpc calls and a lot of other things um, here's the con contributors for the release. So if you want to know more about it, um, click on the, on the, on the link and then make sure to update as well. 
Don Gombat uh, posted on Twitter, to whoever I sold, he said, there's a thousand ARS bill for Monero at last Monerotopia conference. I informed you that today its value has finally gone below $1 USD. And with that, the last bill of the native fauna of uh, the Argentine Republic series perishes. By far, Monero, our national bird. Yeah, um, inflation, in, <laughs> inflation in Latin America is crazy. Yeah, out of control. It's, yeah, it's out of control, which is it's very sad. But also, like, they have really beautiful banknotes, actually. That's really nice. Beautiful, <laughs> worthless banknotes. Yeah. <laughs> Collectors add them one day. Except there's well, it sucks because the U.S. still, you know, with the ridiculous amount of inflation we already have, mm-hmm. uh, which still isn't nearly as bad as other countries, we have the ugliest dollar bills. We have the strongest dollar, but the ugliest looking bills. I, I was going to say that, but I, <laughs> I mean, it's because they kind of all look the same, but I mean... The, the one thing that I do like when it comes to US dollars is that the size is the same for one dollar bill, uh, 10, 50, because in Romania, we have all different sizes. So I literally have to, actually, I'll show you. I have to carry Oh, two. yeah, it's like gold backs. Yeah, I have to carry, oh, oh, that's actually, funny. Show, yeah. I, have, I have to carry two, two wallets because, for example, five looks like this and it gets significantly larger, the bigger the value. 100 is like this. I hope you can see it. Oh, yeah, that's like a, it's like a one in a five gold back. Yeah. And then, it gets even bigger than this. But they're like bigger. They're like cute. Actually, no, this is kind of the same. And I think there's one more 500 bill, and I think that one is huge. So, And I can tell yeah, that 1,000 is really long. That one's like... Yeah. What, so, is, I mean, what is the stability of the uh, currency in Romania? What, what it's, what's inflation like over there? I'm not sure about the actual numbers. But for example, I know last... December, I used to pay for a certain um, milk brand, brand 11 in our currency, and now it's 18, which is a lot. It almost doubled. Yeah, seeing that everywhere. I mean, yeah, so I mean, it's, or for example, okay, back, this is like 2000, I'll give you like larger time frame, 2011, a sandwich was 2.5 in our currency, and you divide that by five to get the dollar amount. So it's like 50 cents. Now it's so from 2.5, but imagine it's like in dollars, 2.5 dollars, let's say, but in my currency. Now it's like 10 for the same, like 10 years later. So inflation is, it, it's obviously not as bad as Latin America, and I can't complain, but I mean, you know, you can definitely see one plus two plus three different differences in, mm-hmm. in the prices, like one, two, three more dollars. Yeah, yeah cost of goods, everything's going up. I mean, that's even in the US, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like I was going in the US in a store and I wanted to buy some tortilla and stuff. And I was like, I was shocked by how much I paid for those stuff and how much cheaper they were. My my brother-in-law gave me this yesterday. Sil- mm-hmm. Silver coin, crew grand. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. Oh, heck that's yeah. really nice. Some actual value. Yeah, I love it. I got a couple of these, uh, but I, this is this is growing, man. There's a lot of people that are get are re, are waking up right because of inflation, yeah. and they're turning towards whether it's metals or crypto. You got a lot of people turning towards metals, which is cool. But I think that, I think that's the road to Monero for sure. Yeah, for sure. Another thing is, I'm not sure if they've done it to silver as well, but to gold, um, they identify you for the gold, how much you bought transfers and stuff like that that's yeah that that's what he was telling me about he's like you know i'm realizing as i bought it uh i had to essentially give up my id and everything and they know, <laughs> they know how much I, and it's like you know it's i could see him moving to, towards monero and understanding the importance of monero and then he's like thinking about you know where where do i store all this stuff how do i keep it 
That's the thing. And so, what do you do like if you move or, you know? Right. Or if you want to spend, spend it on the internet, right? It's, it's a little hard to yeah. send it send it through the internet. That too. And I have a friend and this guy, he has huge drawers, like from, from the floor all the way to the ceiling with a bunch of, of silver. And like we were making jokes, if you got to move, I mean, that thing, that thing weighs hundreds of pounds. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. yeah and and it, it's nothing. It, you're, like you're making jokes, but it's not a joke, right? Like, no, yeah, no. It hits the fan. Yeah. Something happens, in, in, you know, where, where he's living, you know, similar to what we've seen in other parts of the world. They'll, they'll come and take it, or you got to figure out how to move with it. It's, there's so much power in being able to just have a, a you know, a, a 15 word phrase in, in your in mind. Yeah, uh, that, you, that you can move around with anywhere and store any amount of money on. It's a tremendous amount of power there. Quite literally, like yeah. you can take a notebook, you write down, and you're done. That's it. All you gotta do is carry this thing or your phone, and you have you can have millions of dollars stored, or however much amount you know. But in, if you have that amount in silver or gold, obviously it's, it's a mountain. And you yep. know, traveling, if you go overseas, it's gonna be difficult to move all of that if if you wish to. So yeah, um, I'm ready. Now, this person sold, he said, I sold all my Zcash, taking 90 plus percent loss and moving on with my life. Also, Zcash parachute for sale. Uh, look at this pathetic. Um, Capitulation on Zcash. Parachute for sale, asking for price to fill. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> what is he saying here? So, he actually has a parachute with the Zcash logo, if you see. Oh, shit. Yeah, so he's oh, actually like, he, has, he has a parachute for sale with the Zcash logo that he's. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I trust that parachute. <laughs> yeah, I hope he doesn't oh, go transparent. You know, pretty bad. I said I didn't even catch that part. So the guy actually went skydiving with the Zcash. Uh, but that's that's pretty strong capitulation there at the bottom. To, to... now, does anybody know this guy? Is he like a? He's not like a dev or something for Zcash, is he? Well, he has a lot of followers. Crypto, a lot of followers. You're just a crypto yeah, so... uh, enthusiast, or uh. Um, search, search his account real quick. See if he had, ever mentions Monero. Give a give a search on his uh, if you could search his account. Yeah, mm, I gotta scroll a little bit too. Maybe privacy. I don't think Twitter makes an easy way to query people's. Uh, no, not tweets. really. They don't let you data scrape anymore. Oh, really? I used to be able. To really? Just, I feel like I used to be able to search people's tweets. Well, you might be able to like type in his name on the search and then put in uh, a word. There used to but be. Ever since yeah. they mess with their APIs, it's like you can't can't really do much yeah Twitter. yeah okay no, you, can, you can search your tweets i'm doing it right here let's save anything pub no no results no i didn't find anything i mean that could just be twitter's poor search results but yeah interesting that somebody who's uh been in zcash for that long abandoning it has not mentioned Monero. yeah but he i wonder what made him sell it because he literally took 90 percent plus Lost. Maybe you're just in it for money and not really. Uh... Maybe. Yeah, he could have just been a total, uh, you know, speculator, not interested in the tech at all. Which he has been doing maybe. great in that regard. Yeah, he also had a parachute, so I mean, he's a hardcore shiller. We're we're here for you, Z Cashers. Ooh. When you're ready to move on to uh, true digital cash, we are here for you. <laughs> okay, now let's move on to Israel. As you guys know, um, it's an ongoing war. It's not something new. It's been going on for a long time, but. Uh, the war, Israel, Gaza, it's devastating, but uh, unexpectedly, um, or actually expectingly, because um, it's been done before, Israel freezes crypto accounts, seeking Hamas donations, police say. 
So October 10th, uh, Israel, Israel has frozen cryptocurrency accounts used to solicit donations for the Palestinian militant group Hamas on social media, police said on Tuesday. Uh, Hamas launched devastating attacks from Gaza into Israel on Saturday in one of the most serious escalations in the Israel-Palestinian conflict in years. I mean, of course, they're, they're a terrorist group, as you may know. And um, But it may, maybe may sound bad, but um, you should have the freedom if you, for some reason, you want to donate to them, you should be able to, to do it. And you can do it with cash. Um, of course, it's nice if you wouldn't, but um, yeah, Israel can freeze your crypto accounts uh, seeking Hamas donations. But the most important thing is that, is that if they can freeze it in this instance, not only Israel, but other countries as well, they can freeze it at any time. If they can do it once, they can do it always. So Can I talk, mention that yeah. title so I can freeze crypto accounts? I think what, what they're talking about is freezing uh, like exchange accounts. Okay. That, yeah. uh, if you read it, the article, I think it's like Binance or something. Yeah. You can play that video. Did you have that video I sent to? There's a video clip. So, so my take on all. I mean, what, what's we we all knew this was going to happen, right? So, so here we go, guys. Uh, wars are breaking out. Uh, people are being called terrorists, and uh, they're now being alleged to have used the tool of cryptocurrency to to help uh, perpetrate their crimes. This is what they're going to, you know, start to focus on. It's we, we always knew this was coming. Um, they're gonna the, the the powers that be, the state, the government will now focus on this use case of crypto as a way to regulate it and you know perhaps ban it if needed. Uh, what's interesting about this is if you read the article, uh, it references um, an article from April where it says Hamas has endorsed crypto as a fundraising method for years, but said in April it would stop receiving fundraising via the cryptocurrency Bitcoin, citing an increase in hostile activity against donors. So basically saying that Bitcoin was traceable, people were making donations using Bitcoin and it was causing problems uh, and their, you know, their donors were getting harassed or they were getting uh, found out. Um, so the suggestion here is that they moved on to things that are less traceable, right? They've moved on to things like Monero. Um, and we all knew this was going to happen. You know, Monero can be used for good. It can be used for evil. Governments are going to focus on the evil aspect and say, uh, we need to get rid of tools like this because it, it funds terrorism. And, uh, you know, by um, I think we need to get rid of the government because the government funds terrorism. I think, yeah, I think the government does a lot more damage than uh, Monero ever can or will do for sure. But unfortunately, the masses, you know, the sheep, they, they just see these headlines and they see Monero bad, crypto bad, millions of dollars was used to, to fund terrorism. So that's what we're up against. Um, so it's important, I think, for us to, to fight the propaganda from day one, right? We got we to gotta be out there. We got to be vigilant about it, talking about all the positive aspects of crypto, um, everything that it, that it in, intends on doing and will do. Uh, it's going to take power away from the, from the state structure it's going to eventually create less wars right as we as we defund the state defund the central banks but all these things are a little uh, are, are more difficult to to kind of grasp and understand by the average joe right the average joe sees money was sent to terrorist group terrorist group is now killing uh babies hmm. um it's because of this tool that they were able to do that. So it's it's a real uphill battle for us, but we got to be out there. We got to be vigilant. We got to be talking about all the 
the positives about crypto. I mean, obviously we get it, but unfortunately, we are we are the minority here, guys. I don't know what do you guys what do you guys think? Uh, I thought about something interesting while um, you are talking. So you're kind of actually donating to terrorism through taxes because when you pay your taxes, it doesn't go to all benevolent things. It goes to the government, and the government, especially in the U.S., they're the ones that start a bunch of wars for uh, monetary or financial gains. So <laughs> it's kind of it's interesting. Yeah. But yeah, if, if you solve money. Uh, you solve a lot of these issues because all these wars and uh, Ukraine, Russia, China, and Taiwan, Taiwan, now this, and Armenia, and uh, Azerbaijan, all, all these wars, um, they are because of money and and power. But All wars me, are bankers' wars. For sure. All wars are bankers' wars, uh, but most of society does, doesn't understand that, nor no. yeah, they, they can't grasp that. But they will understand is when they show horrific pictures of terrorists doing horrible things and saying they've got they they're receiving funding because of these tools um so you know we saw we saw with 911 and the patriot act right overnight they were able to they were able to pass the patriot act which took away yes. rights for essentially citizens around the entire world in one felt swoop that were still we're still dealing with the ratchet effect it never went back to what it was never will and so I think I think crypto is going to have that. Unfortunately, is going to have that moment. You know, whether it, whether it's this go around with what's going on now in Israel or it's the next thing, you're going to see legislators move move against crypto, which is really it's really the you know the central banks, the bankers behind them that are pulling the strings that are using this as an excuse to try Especially to kill this technology oh, yeah. that's looking to kill off the central banks. The U.S. is uh, tied in with Israel. Like, if it's like, oh, Manao is being used uh, to uh, fund terrorism against Israel, that's like a very swift, you know, like get rid of it kind of thing. I can see happening. Yeah, you know, actually, let me show you something uh, that I found was really funny. So there's this website called Masterclass, and it's really cool. Like, it's actually really nice. And then let me see if I can see all classes. No, wait, because you're gonna have a you're gonna have a laugh. Oh, I've already had a laugh on this site before. Mm-hmm. What was that? I've already have a good have a good laugh on this site before. Oh yeah, okay. So they have um, classes, and you know, oh, I can, can take the Hillary Clinton master class, dude. How does Bill people? Clinton one or George W. Bush? Um, uh, Hillary will teach you the the power of of emails, followed by Bill Clinton. Uh, George <laughs> Bush can teach you a bit of uh, Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, <laughs> Weapons of Mass Destruction by George W. Bush. Yeah, I thought that was like really funny as I was scrolling through. Um, okay, so now let's move on. Uh, the last couple, actually, no, let me mention this and then we'll go into CBDCs, CBDC News. Um, Monero.com is back on the Google Play Store. So if you have um, Android, Monero.com is back and use it. Now, uh, CBDCs will improve tax collection. Argentine central banker, of course, CBDCs will improve tax collection. Uh, collection. Um, uh, Juan Agustin Datelis Noguera publicly supported Sergio Massa in promoting a central bank digital currency as a remedy for the national economy. And then um, it's been mentioned in the official's opinion, the key feature for the CBDC is its traceability. By having traceability of operations with a digital currency, because it is not known who does them, but there is evidence that they were done, you brought in the tax base. This will allow you to raise more without having to raise taxes and even lower them. Okay, so that's nice because then, you know, you can 
see what citizens are doing. It's, it's going to sound odd, but okay. So you, you see what citizens are doing with the money. You get the right amount of money. There's no tax evasion from the citizen school. But then we want to see what they do with our tax money as well. So transparency in terms of that, okay, maybe sure. But then we also need transparency from them. And we need to see where every single cent from our taxes goes to. Is that going to happen? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. So it's just going to be against the, um, it's going to be a system against the population where tax evasion is going to be less, um, harder and harder to do. And um, yeah, so. I mean, these Argentinians aren't going to, like, they're, they're already pretty aware of their financial situation. There's no way they're going to, like, the masses are going to take part in that. Well, I mean, just like in Nigeria, I mean, the Ina era, we talked about it in the previous episode, they had, and I think actually, I'm not sure if this is about Nigeria or, yeah, this one. Okay, so the Ina era, um, they used to have 0.5% um, overall usage. And then the government pulls some strings, forced the population, and now all of a sudden a lot of people are forced to use the Ina era. So even if you do want it or not, I mean, unfortunately... It's gonna make it, uh to the offer too good right gonna offer you like a ton of money or discounts or whatever yeah you get 20 percent off whatever or like the way it works in eastern europe you just give the population flour and uh <laughs> oil and then yeah i'll vote for you and it literally happens <laughs> flour and oil huh yeah actually i actually interviewed okay. this week uh a guy from nigeria econ bro hmm. recommend recommend checking that out uh, he actually did a Kuno fundraiser. He's looking to raise funds to spread libertarianism um, throughout Nigeria. He's, nice. He's already been out there doing it. Um, so I, 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 it doesn't come across as a scam at all to me. But you know, fund, I should say that right. Fund all these Kuno things at your own risk. Do your own research. Uh, that's why I'm interviewing these people too to like kind of put them on stage, put them on the spot a little bit. You could suss them out and make a decision based on that but i got i got all good vibes um super yeah, that guy was doing super cool work yeah 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 he's he's actually he has video of him out there giving lectures mm-hmm. uh and he's trying to spread like uh, the austrian economics throughout nigeria and effectively he's trying to build up like a political party there like it sounds mm-hmm. like, like a libertarian political party but yeah he, he had some uh he didn't know much about the cbdc but yeah saying you know wasn't not really being adopted there what he, what i found interesting was he doesn't think cash will be eliminated there um mm. because it's it's how corruption is is uh takes place in the country right they use cash all the politicians use cash they use mm. cash primarily during the elections they go out and they pay people to vote so they 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 need physical cash to go make these make these payments to, to voters to get them to vote, so he doesn't see there being incentive on any side of of of, of the political parties there to to eliminate cash, which I thought was interesting because everybody here is thinking, all right, they're going to implement the CBDC, they're going to eliminate cash, but he doesn't think there's the political will there to eliminate it because hmm. they all want it, they all want cash for their corrupt purposes. It's kind of the same in Romania as well, for example um rules apply rules don't apply to the ones that have status or are rich i mean the cops stop you you pull up you know a couple hundreds you hand it that's it they don't do anything to you and (laughs) and things that are much much worse than that so yeah he's saying it's common course it's part of every like election there that you go out you take cash and you go pay people to go vote oh my god You, you can do that without cash and they they all use cash over there um so I found that to be interesting. It's kind of like they give you cash 
and then they're gonna run the country and then they're going to devalue currency even more <laughs> so yeah but nigeria has the most cryptocurrency aware population in the world uh so 99 of nigerians are more knowledgeable about web3 than people in major economies like the uk the united states japan and germany so that's crazy um, to me very very interesting um how how will cbdc's be used for political oppression in your country I mean, we kind of talked about this. Uh, CBDCs are poised to give politicians unprecedented power to track your data, um, restrict your movements, and control your life. How are they going to restrict your movements? Um, you want to fly to this country? Well, you can because you reached your carbon, your CO2 emission for this year. So, okay, you can't have the trip anymore. Um, you can't buy that meat anymore. You can't buy those eggs anymore. You can't do this and that. So, yeah, by controlling money, they actually restrict, restrict your movement and your life as well. Or you can't drive anymore. I mean, you've already bought enough fuel for the month. So, yeah. Um, and then it talks about this specifically. Then we have another article. Uh, China opens industrial park for digital yuan, CBDC development in Shenzhen. This one is actually very interesting. So the government is incentivizing new residents to come in this industrial park all together to develop payment solutions smart contracts hard wallets and promotions for the digital yuan so mm. you have a bunch of people in one place focusing just on this on the cbdc and they made i mean china made tremendous progress when it comes to cbdc's to usage to um offline usage as well which is very important so if your phone dies you can still make payments with the cbdc's um so they made a lot of lot of uh, Improvements, and they say, according to reports, the district government has announced 10 initiatives to boost the development of the digital yuan ecosystem that involve payment solutions, smart contracts, hard wallets, and digital yuan promotion. Oh, wow. Incentives are being offered to residents to include up to three years free rent. Damn. Uh, was that? Yeah. Yep. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's. <laughs> Commercial banks can receive up to 20 million yuan, 2.7 million. Uh, for settling there, while startups are eligible for are up to fifty million won, six, which is about six point nine million dollars. Total government support is set at a hundred million won, which is like thirteen point seven million. Carrot before the stick. Jesus, can, can you imagine if you lived in New York and then they're like, "All right, you got to do this and this and that, and then we'll give you three years of free rent in New York City." This is the, I mean, the carrots are getting bigger before they bring out the stick. In China, there's there's not there's going to be zero resistance to the CBDC in China. They they already basically have you know the the negative results of what a CBDC can do in other forms, right? Everybody's yeah, there. Totally. It's all already completely surveilled. All their like ninety eight percent of society is is using some government owned uh, app or system for it's making your face to scan your yeah. for your payments. Yep. Yeah. And so of course, Beijing has the most security cameras per citizens in the entire world yeah it's, it's insane. Just, just it's in their culture they 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 go along with the government they trust the government or they just, like, they just know, they just know there's nothing they can do otherwise you know it's like which is uh, very scary. sad to see in china it's kind of like they're already very much surveilled but cbdc's will just make it easier for them to be surveilled so they're like all right you're you're always surveilling me you're gonna make it easier fine you know it's not like right yeah that's how if, it is which is interesting if, if you're gonna take away all my rights you might as well do it in the in the easiest way possible <laughs> <laughs> make it convenient like damn it you know I, you're already surveilling me like make it convenient already it's the same thing anyway yeah yeah i, I, mean, I don't, I don't know what's gonna cause a cultural shift there 
it's hard, especially so there were experiments done in China where they tried, they told one person to get lost and in five minutes they found them because they have cameras with uh, uh, face recognition and they, well, every single human that walks just has like a square that identifies them. So they tell them, okay, run away as far as you can and we'll find you. Five minutes, the guy was found. So yeah. Um, now let's discuss the last thing for this week's new section, how CBDCs and stablecoins can coexist together. Um, E2 Kunainen argues against CBDCs as they are centralized by nature, of course, saying that certain dangers come with government control, <laughs> certain, a lot of uh, um, dangers. So the recent Future Innovation Summit event held in Dubai, that sounds actually pretty cool. Uh, Cointelegraph moderated a panel titled Stablecoins, CBDCs and Cross-Border Payments to explore, explore if CBDCs and stablecoins can coexist and how this would be um, possible, which um, is very interesting. And then they talked about, um, there's a quote and it says, let's say that they don't like some political rivals. They can, with one click, freeze the other party's assets. So what gives us any security that they won't use this or if they are a small, smaller country? They're pressured by a bigger country to do so. And um, then also I think they, can, they will coexist and probably in some years we'll see a transnational body that will take care of the CBDCs and the interoperability between them and uh, ensure that no government can pull the plug or do something that affects the interests of the people. I don't believe that. <laughs> Um, last thing, according to executives, they would be the ones to determine which specific pain points exist and whether CBDCs or stablecoins would be the answer to that. The executive also believes that the two can coexist as long as stablecoins remain stable and decentralized. So will they coexist? Can they coexist? And that's that's um, to see. But of course, in the equation that should exist is Monero, which is better than, than all of them, it offers you privacy, and it's just really well designed. It's it's actually interesting because the first time when I was learning about Monero, it's like, okay, cool, it has privacy, but it's so much more than that with dynamic block size um, and other specificities, which a lot of other cryptos don't have, or a telemission. So it has a lot of a lot of um, uh, touches that make it stand out way more than its privacy, which is going to be way and beyond than what it is today with Seraphis and and um, so on. So yeah, Monero is a powerhouse and um, in a way, it is bad the way the world is, is heading with CBDCs and such, but it's just going to force people to wake up and you know look into things like Monero, and maybe the world is gonna be a better place than you know. It will be. It's it's here waiting for anyone. It's it's not going anywhere. Can't it's can't not. be stopped. Can't be stopped. It's it's the polar opposite of a CBDC, and so when people wake up and realize they don't they don't want to be part of that, uh, they'll be looking for another for sure. Yeah, you want to uh, share the video I sent in the Telegram real quick? It's related yeah, to sure. the uh, insane inflation. I think, I don't know why, um, there's one more article, but I couldn't open it because it's from um, New York Times, and then it just tells me to subscribe. Oh, and yeah, if you do an archive.is, that might work. But Yeah, oh, I think, why didn't I open this, actually? I just sent it, uh, like, 20 minutes ago. Okay, should I just play the whole thing? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So it says 1.75 million for a house in Bend, Oregon, uh, 2,600 square feet. Seriously, listen to this guy explain to the local market and how crazy it is for the income in this area, in the area. What are we missing here? Why is it so expensive there? How are younger people ever expected to afford any homes? And they're not. I mean, they've doubled in the last couple of years. They're already unaffordable and now they're doubling even more. So let's see how a $1.75 million house uh, looks like in Oregon. 
first clip house might look like a house, but it is currently listed for $1.75 million. <laughs> Jesus. It serves as just another example of the whole West Coast being a playground ultra rich. It blows my mind that someone would buy a place like this for almost $2 million. The place doesn't even have a yard. Some little natural camp, whatever. You don't even have a yard. Natural If you wanted to buy a place like this and you actually lived and worked in the city I'm from, you'd have to make like $450,000 a year. You know what? The average job around here pays about 50 grand and the average household brings in about 75 grand. And all the new homes here are being built at a price point that is at least double to triple what the average fit. This problem only gets to get worse as all the land that they open up for development goes to these developers who want to build these planned communities, incredibly expensive homes. There's an open house in there right now. I would take you guys for a tour, but I've heard through the grapevine that all the realtors in town, they can't stand me. <laughs> <laughs> they really can't stand me. That's yeah. that's crazy. That house is about the same size as my parents' house, which they got for like a hundred fifty k back in two thousand one, I think. Oh wow! So that still right quite there, a lot, no, for that time. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's hard amount, but um, yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, and most places sure. aren't quite that insane, but for whatever reason, that's area rapid inflation the whole point is to not own anything to not own assets to make them so expensive that you can't even afford them renters market only and even then you can't afford to rent anymore yeah even that even rent is homes are are owned by whatever like blackrock or right i mean not all these but it's a lot you know a lot of these large investment firms are are buying up properties like these as well and just renting things out it's insane when you look at stocks and you look at top five holders it's always BlackRock, uh, BlackRock, 200 million shares of this, 200 million shares. I mean, they have trillions and trillions of dollars of assets. It's crazy. Oh, much money they have. There has been talk of something that could perpetuate a real estate collapse being uh, the the amount of people that bought Airbnbs. I think that that's an interesting theory. Hmm. Uh, if you look at all the Airbnbs out there, and people kind of got over leveraged, overexposed, people went out. Oh, yep. Bought a lot of these properties, took like, out more. Oh, yeah, so much money coming in now. Now that things are getting out of control, people are not spending as much or moving or going on vacations. And... Right. And people start, if people stop renting out the Airbnbs, uh, you're going to have a lot of people stuck with like these properties that they just can't pay the, pay the mortgage on. So there might be some relief there potentially. But otherwise, it's hard to see where the relief is going to come because there's just such a shortage of supply. Nobody has anywhere to, to freaking live and buy a home. So uh, supply demand, there's just not enough supply. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know why we're not, I don't technically really understand why we're not seeing enough homes being now built because of that shortage. And why instead we're seeing homes like this being built? Uh, so they're doing the exact same thing uh, near where I live. Instead of building a lot of houses, like there are some houses being built, they're building these tight knit townhouses, right? Like the, these condos. Like you've just got like a bunch of these, like, and they're just tearing down these entire areas just to build these. They're not building actual homes with like property. They're just building these little townhouse condos, which you know. I mean, some of them you might be able to buy because I know like condos, condos, sometimes you can buy, but it's like a lot of them will be rent only. And like, it's so much worse than people being able to buy a house like, you know, 30 years ago on a single income. Now you can't even afford to rent a lot of times on a single income. No. Uh, The New York Times article, you can't get it up. It was was an interesting one. Yeah, no, because... I got you. Give me... 
Yeah, see if you get that up. See, like you can, but then in like okay, maybe. I'll... Oh, is it working Wait. this time? Oh, no, there it is. Can I? I will. Move? I will search for you. So here's a little trick. Okay, if you go to either archive.org or archive.is, you put that URL in. Usually, someone's already uh, snapshotted it, and that's mm -hmm. a way to do it free. Yep. So I'll send it to you in Telegram. So I just pulled it up. So I have to get Metasploit up, or you know, get my console, <laughs> do some do some work. That's a good little trick. That's archive.is. Oh, yep. cool! Wow, that's there you go. Yep. Okay, that that's actually really cool. Um, so across U.S. Chinese Bitcoin mines draw national security scrutiny. Microsoft reported one site in Wyoming because of its proximity to a data center and nuclear missile base. Records show other cryptocurrency facilities have ties to the Chinese state. When a company with Chinese origins broke ground last year on a crypto mining operations in Cheyenne, Wyoming, a team of at Microsoft that assesses national security threats sounded the alarm. Not only was the site next door at the, to a Microsoft data center that supported the Pentagon, it was about a mile away from an Air Force base that controlled nuclear armed intercontinental ballistic missiles. Uh, the location could allow the Chinese to pursue full spectrum intelligence collection uh, operations that the Microsoft team wrote in an August 2022 report. To, to the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, a federal body that monitors threats posed by overseas um, investors. Microsoft warning did not go um, unheeded. And then they also have some pictures. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a long article. Basically, yeah. it's talking about these large ASIC mining farms that are being built in areas around around the country in the US, uh, which, we're, which we're all aware of. Uh, and some of them appear to be owned by uh, the Chinese government. Um, and so this is just as an example of just another attack surface for Bitcoin, right? We've talked about this before. ASIC mining farms are, I believe, are, are an attack surface for Bitcoin. Uh, whether it's regulators coming in saying we need to, you know, these things are using up too much fossil fuel, so we need to put regulations on them. Or whether it's uh, mandating that these that these mining farms be OFAC compliant, right? So they're, they're a target. They're a target that can be approached by the government. And so here, here we're seeing politically it becoming a problem because they're concerned about who's owning these mining farms. So it's just another attack surface, right? So you might see regulators move in and try to pass laws, whatever, saying who, who can and can't own a Bitcoin mining farm. They're concerned that uh, China could use these to essentially take out our grid or could use them to uh, as a database to, to spy on people. Whatever it is, um, doesn't really matter. It just shows that large ASIC mining farms can be approached by governments, by the state, and it's an attack surface for, for something like Bitcoin, as opposed to something like Monero, where theoretically, we're never going to see large Monero mining farms owned by large corporations. The incentive just doesn't exist. So... I, that's kind of what I get out of this. The most you can see is a bunch of apartment complexes mining Monero <laughs> in synchronicity, but it's it's a problem, right? Monero is supposed to be, I mean, uh, Bitcoin is supposed to be decentralized and unstoppable. Mm -hmm. And when you when you have a few companies that own all these mining farms uh, and all the all the equipment, all the hardware is essentially coming from the same company. These companies can be approached by the state; they can be pushed around. They can be regulated. Um, that's what we're seeing here. And to be fair, we still have a little bit of uh, some of those challenges with Monero, like uh, where sometimes the pools will, you know, get close to that 
40-50% mark, but people seem to back off pretty quickly. All that needs to be is, like, making pool-to-pool better, incentivizing that, and then also potential uh, issues with companies like Bitmain, who, you know, will seems to be the only company that's making actual Monero miners. The incentives still aren't as good as with Bitcoin because with Bitcoin, it's it's a lot easier because you can do the ASICs and stuff and there's more money around there. Um, but it's still something to, you know, consider. It's, what better, it's better, but not perfect. saying that, that uh, we could start to see ASIC mining farms for Monero? No. What no, you not ASIC, but I'm like, so Bitmain had their Monero miners, right? The uh, Antminer X5. Right. And... They put those ones away and they're selling those, but they made those a few years ago. So like, let's say they got another one coming out next year. Who knows how much hash rate that'll take up because, you know, a few years difference with, especially with RISC-V technology, because it's a lot newer, that could be quite a large difference. So I don't know, just yeah. speculation. Yeah, yeah, speculation. But I mean, as far as, as far as I could, it doesn't seem like the incentive will ever exist. No, and that's the thing. They're the only one doing that. That's right. doing that. Uh, yeah. And they're not right now. So the incentive is very just not there compared to Bitcoin. Yeah, the the efficiency you're getting out of it is not enough to to warrant building these these large ASIC mining farms to to compete. It just doesn't 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 exist for you to to invest all this all that money into to building out a, a large center that would just mine Monero when the the economies of scale just aren't there whereas with bitcoin they are right so that was it for this week's news section stop sharing this yeah so that was the news section guys thank all you right. so much for joining us and um right. we'll see you next week thanks tony thanks tony yes, yes stick around if you can uh it was a lo- it was a long news but uh we don't have a special guest today so thank you man thank you guys have a good weekend yeah. I, I have to go no all right all right, all right. have a good one I guess. Have a little, all right price report up right. next yeah let's do it let's get into that the monerotopia price report segment is sponsored by local monero avoid using kyc exchanges Buy and sell Monero directly for fiat, peer to peer. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, what's going on? How you doing, Good, buddy? Good. We just got the solar eclipse here. Just um, the moon just started crossing over the sun. Oh wow! Yeah, Did I got the glasses us? and everything. No, really? How was it? Yeah. Yeah. So um, we talked about kind of this head and shoulders pattern for a while uh, on the stock market that had developed, and I think it's still in play. So uh, shoulder, head, shoulder. Um, and then neckline. And then the breakdown there has basically come up to retest that. Um, effectively, this pump in my mind was the war pig trade. So, um, you know, the more war broke out and Congress had bought defense stocks and everyone's like, oh, you know, more war means more bombs and more defense stocks. So I think that was a big, likely a big driver of the stock market. Um, because people are now, it used to be like, oh, there would be war and then everyone would be uncertain and uncertainty is like, it's like the kryptonite of markets. But now everyone's like, oh, well, if there's war, then that just means they're going to print more money, which means the stocks are going to go up, especially defense stocks. So, um, I think that's kind of what happened here with this pump. Um, so uh, honestly, I'm, I'm still not convinced that, that things are going to come back here to back to the all-time highs. Um, I'm still basically on my my general thesis of overall down ish until the end of year. Um, we don't we don't see any like major signals uh, as of late that tell us that things are about to crash. Um, like so, for example, the um, 
the yield curve inversion on the bottom and then all of the individual yields up top, like there's nothing there that would suggest that um, that we're going to crash anytime soon. Um, let's see, I've drawn a couple new lines on this chart. This is the NASDAQ. So you can see that we've kind of got this line right here. Um, this is starting to look slightly like a bullish flag, right? So a bullish flag is when you go up and then you kind of consolidate and you go down and eventually you pump to the upside. Um, so I think that, that that could very much be in play. With the strength that the stock market has shown for the past, let's just say, five months, six months, um, you know, I was I was kind of thinking that we might actually end up down here in this range uh, on the Nasdaq, but I, I think it could actually be very possible that we just kind of do this and then that stocks um, go to the upside um, somewhere in December or maybe early 2024. That would kind of be what this this pattern is starting to suggest. Um, it's it's quite possible that we could meet the downside target, um, which would be it would be somewhere around here like that that's possible but right now this channel is so strong um this this big channel right here is so strong that i would expect um really that's kind of like where you would target for stocks to remain um now if they want to be irresponsible and create inflation well then they'll just push stocks and they'll they'll push it up like that um so you know who, who knows what they're going to do it seems like they love their inflation um let's see gold gave us a big green dildo yesterday uh, thing just pumped uh, to the upside, and when we say big green dildo for gold, you know, three percent is, is is a pretty significant move. So um, basically, it, gold found support where we were talking about last week, right around here. Said, hey, this might be if you were trying to get into a gold position, this is you would buy maybe twenty or thirty percent of your allocation right here, um, being responsible. Um, that's really like if you're because again, you're you should be reallocating positions occasionally. You really shouldn't be trading. Um, and I know that uh, I know that a lot of people um, in Monero, especially in Monero, aren't traders at all, and they really like just don't care about um, what the price is doing, and that's great. Um, I also would say that what we're doing is inherently monetary, and so you ignore the monetary landscape at your own peril. Um, like if you're a hodler and you're a DCA, like that's fine. You believe in the project fundamentals, you know, that's totally fine. I totally understand that. Um, yet at the same time, I feel like looking at what's happening in the markets helps you to understand what's happening in the world. Um, in certain kinds of ways, it, for example, note, um, noting the fact that uh, two weeks ago, noting the fact that Congress was loading up on defense stocks, right? That's like that's a signal that you can use for both trading, but it's also a signal to understand what's what's happening in the world. Um, so anyways, um, yeah, gold gold is performing um, pretty good right here. Um, I'm still not totally convinced that this thing is ready to break out now, um, but maybe, right? The, the way that they treat gold, like in, in a fundamental sense, the way they treat gold, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, again, to watch this thing come back down to this lower line, but maybe it doesn't. Um, the fact that it got such a strong bounce off of that support, you know, that that um, that could be an indication that gold is really is really wanting to take off here soon. Um, again, it's a long term play. It's a value storage kind of thing with the potential that it could get revaluated um, much higher at some point in the in the short to medium term, maybe to the long term. Right. Hopefully within the next I would say the next year or so. Um, that would be kind of my guess. Um, let's take a look at the global liquidity situation. Uh, the U.S. liquidity is in green. Global liquidity is in white. Um, not much has changed with global liquidity. It's uh, kind of going down. One thing that I noticed here is that you'll notice that U.S. liquidity. So again, we're talking about um, the Federal Reserve balance sheet. We're talking about M2 money supply and the reverse repos. Um, the reverse repo is kind of acting inversely, where as money goes into the reverse repos, that's liquidity coming out of the system. And as money um, leaves reverse repos, that's that's liquidity going somewhere. So this chart down here, you'll see that um, 
Reverse repo continues to drop. It's now down to a trillion. It used to be up above two trillion. Um, so what I'm seeing here is like a bit of divergence on the action. So in green, the, the US liquidity situation is kind of making higher highs, but it's divergent from the action on stocks, right? Stocks are making lower highs right now. So sometimes we talk about um, RSI. I, I look at Z-scores, but it's it's a very similar kind of chart. Um, right now, I wonder if something like this isn't in play right here, where liquidity is is making higher highs. Like there's more liquidity, but they can't quite get stocks to to perform, right? They can't quite get them to higher highs. So I do wonder if that's a signal um, again of a potential downside. So uh, just uh, kind of a note, you know, to, to keep in your mind there. Dollar index. Um, we talked about last week. I said I would be surprised if if the dollar just you know cratered below this area right here because we've got um, we've got the the rising resistance line and we've got this kind of horizontal area of significance, which was that spot right there. Um, so yeah, the dollar has kind of uh, made a little bit of a rebound here, bounced back up. It's kind of above this trend line. Um, this trend line right here is a good example of why trend lines are bullshit. <laughs> you know, you got to be careful with them. Um, and and fake outs happen all the time. So they're in a lot of ways they're visual references, um, and then you look for confluence of visual references, uh, which is kind of something we did down here and um, like earlier this uh, maybe a few months ago, right when the dollar was kind of like testing this area right here. Um, that was a time that a line that some pleb lines actually did make sense, and it and it was like they were important and significant. And then you know we could, we saw the continuation of that run. So um, I think that dollar the dollar index is probably. I mean, it could continue going up, but I wouldn't expect like a massive move up in the dollar right here. Um, it should be finding significant resistance um, somewhere with like basically where we are right now, 106, 108, 109. I'd be surprised if if it got all the way to 110. Um, let's see. I just turned on the wave magic. So again, you can see the upper standard deviation bands here. Um, these are slightly longer term. So this is going to be limiting, um, right? These blue bands here along with the... Um, these very, very long-term uh, pleb lines, uh, trend lines from, if we go to like the monthly, you'll see why these lines are drawn this way. Oh, it takes a while. Let me clear the wave magic. There we go. Yeah, so these lines are drawn that way. You can see it's like basically just a big channel that's been happening for 15 years now. Um, so at the moment, um, you know, I if you're a if you're a forex trader, this thing is gonna probably not do anything crazy to the upside, um, but it could at some point later. Um, I I wouldn't I wouldn't expect this thing to get back up here, but but maybe like that's that's a little bit too far to, to say with any certainty. Um, let's see, we looked at that. We looked at stocks. Maybe we could take a look at the ratio. Yeah, so uh, the Nasdaq to S and P ratio still looks it still looks bullish. This thing right here, this chart right here, the Nasdaq to S and P ratio is an indication that maybe stocks are not going to to take any big dip. Maybe the direction is to kind of meander on down in a in a bullish flag scenario where it's like, okay, you're making lower lows and you're making lower highs, but that bull flag is going to break to the upside eventually. Um, that would like so that hypothetical scenario would be corroborated by this chart right here because um, this looks bullish. Like you've got these upsloping blue bands, you're now starting to ride above these very long term upper standard deviations, and they're already starting to curl to the upside. So if this thing kind of rides those bands and then starts moving up. Um, you know, it, it might be, it might be close to time to start abandoning my, um, my down until the end of your thesis. So, um, it's always important to always, um, question your thesis when you're a trader, like you can't let ego get in the way. You can't get stuck into a trade. You've just always got to be looking for the counter reason, um, why you could be wrong. 
And um, that's not to say that you should like allow yourself to get captured by analysis paralysis, but um, but you definitely need to um, to always be considering the counterposition. And that's probably true, like in general um, in life. Uh, and that is that's actually something that learning markets has taught me is to like be okay with it with abandoning a position and being like, no, I was wrong, you know, um, and and to not like feel you know not let your ego get in the way of being able to do that. Um, it, it does help you to see things more clearly, and it does help you to like. Um, adapt, you know, to the real world as things change. Okay, so now we're looking at the inflation, um, the <laughs> the alleged inflation rates. Um, the CPI is in white, the core inflation is in orange, and the core inflation is the one that we care the most about for, for the most part. Um, CPI, we got these numbers um, last week, uh, was flat, and then core continues to drop. Like, this is, this is a good thing. This is definitely a good sign for the economy. Um, you can see that this line right here, this horizontal area of significance, right around 4% inflation, the last time that we were there was like the early 90s, the late 80s. Um, and then for like most of basically for all of the 90s and the aughts and like for the last 30 years almost, um, it's the core inflation has been around 2% around that target that the Fed has uh, allegedly targets. Um, so we're getting close there. Um, this is good that it keeps coming down. If you're, you know, if you want those gains, if you want the markets to go up, getting core inflation lower is good. It means that they can do the intervention that will cause our bags to pump. <laughs> I know that's... Um, I feel dirty saying that, so I apologize uh, for being <laughs> philosophically inconsistent right there. Uh, okay, let's go to Monero. Let's let's talk about Monero because <laughs> yeah, you're, changing. You're addicted, man. You're addicted to that fiat. Give, give me more. Print it. Can't wait to dump all my crypto for more of my dirty fiat. Buy some champagne, maybe a casa in the hills. There you go. Changing topics quickly and ashamedly. <laughs> <laughs> We've got uh, Monero Bitcoin. So we finally we finally broke to the upside. Um, on this sort of like down sloping line here. Uh, this is good. Like we like this, but um, at the same time, like we're still horizontally challenged over here. Um, we're not, uh, we're not actually breaking through um, these, these horizontal lines here. Now um, maybe probably that could happen, right? This, I mean, to me uh, in a longer term, this is a bullish chart at a minimum. It's at least um, a neutral chart, right? Uh, Monero is holding its price against Bitcoin on very long timeframes. We're slightly below um, let's see. So like right here, you know, kind of the launch price, uh, bear market last time, like we're slightly below that area right there. Okay. No, no big deal. Um, I would, you know, I mean, Monero is fundamentally used. So I, I think there's a good chance that it continues doing well against Bitcoin. Um, I think Bitcoin is getting a little bit of a bump right now from BitVM where they can, uh, so someone released a paper where they can, they found a way that you, they can do Turing completeness for the most part on Bitcoin. It's a bit convoluted. They've got a lot of extra steps, you know, that, that, that just sounds like a virtual machine with extra steps. Um, that's, they've got like some, a lot of research to do still. They've got a lot of implementation to do. Um, and it's an optimistic system. All right. So pro in fact, maybe we should just like address this completely here. So um, someone released a paper where you don't have to actually um, do a soft fork or add a new opcode to Bitcoin to be able to do turn completeness. Um, it's it's it sounds a lot like a roll up to me um, in kind of like the way that that it could be implemented. The the important thing is that it's an optimistic system. And when we say optimistic, it means that you trust you basically trust that the person posting the the hash or the proof on chain has told the truth. And if they haven't told the truth, then you have the opportunity to challenge that um, if there's enough block space, <laughs> you know, within the within the time lock period um, that could be challenged. 
right? So Lightning Network is an optimistic system. There are rollups on Ethereum that are called optimistic rollups specifically because you just basically trust optimistically that the person posting the proofs is telling the truth. And if they're not, someone will come along and be like, you, you hope optimistically that someone will come along and be like, hey, by the way, that was a bad proof. Um, here's the real proof. Uh, and then, um, you know, you make some kind of adjustment to people's balances or something like that. Um, this is this is in contradistinction to where you can't actually get a transaction on chain unless like it's proven cryptographically, um, which is uh, they call those validity rollups or zk rollups um, or zk snark rollup constructions. You can't actually post the transaction unless it's like legitimately true. It's like it's like a regular crypto transaction, right? You can't like you don't optimistically post a, a crypto transaction, uh, a regular on-chain transaction, and be like, "Well, someone proved me wrong." It's like you couldn't do it unless the cryptographic proof was correct. Um, so, anyways, this BitVM thing, it's they can they can do Turing completeness, they can do things like oracles. It's really a big question mark on how well they can do it. Um, there's also CTV, which seems to be um, pretty powerful. Um, I, I was looking into it this past week. And it seems very, very powerful. Um, maybe that combined with uh, BitVM can give Bitcoin some scaling options. I'm still not convinced that anything's going to happen soon. Um, but nonetheless, I think Bitcoin got a big bump here. Um, maybe not a big bump, but a little bump um, from kind of these news, right? These like CTV is coming, maybe probably, and then BitVM. And so they're all like all the maxis that said how terrible um, all of these contracts were and how dangerous everything was are now celebrating that uh, that they can also do the same thing in a very convoluted, more difficult kind of way. Another thing to think about um, Turing completeness on Bitcoin in this way, think about all the Ethereum contracts that have just crashed and burned, like even contracts and projects that we're trying to be honest, that were maybe quote unquote good projects, um, but they had like some critical failures, some like small thing that they overlooked. And this is on a chain that's specifically designed with a, with a coding platform to do Turing completeness. Like that it was designed from the ground up on layer one to do Turing completeness. And they had these mass, you know, that you've had massive failures over the years. And that's just kind of like, it's kind of like um, the price of engineering, right? You, you build something, it, 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 it crashes, it gets destroyed, whatever. And then you try to build back better. Um, so I think to myself, okay, BitVM is a more convoluted way of trying to do these turn complete smart contracts. Um, and you're sort of like optimistically pegging back to chain. You're not even like verifying in a hardcore way like Ethereum does on layer one. How many catastrophic failures are they going to have in, in the attempt at trying to get smart contracts like this on Bitcoin? Um, I wonder that. Uh, so anyways, that's kind of like my general feel on what's happening there. There's a lot of promise. It's kind of like Lightning Network six years ago. There's a lot of promise. It'll probably work. It'll probably like things will be developed there, but how much will it really be practical? How much will it really be adopted? It's, it's hard to say. I, my guess is it's going to be, you know, another five or six years. It'll be 2030 and they'll be like, yeah, yeah, BitVM is, you know, it's right around the corner, hashtag 18 months. Um, but, you know, that's my speculation. We don't really know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, so right here, this is the Bitcoin dominance chart. You know, it's kind of taken a, a little bounce here. Not not a huge bounce, but um, when we talk about like 3% move on the Bitcoin dominance chart, that's actually a pretty big move. Like in, in terms of market cap, that is a pretty big move. Um, and you can see it here with... That was from the Bitcoin VM? I think it's kind of the combination of the excitement starting to happen in Bitcoin with CTV um, drive chains, even though no one wants drive chains, it's a possibility. And then BitVM. Yeah, it's like people saying, oh, look, we can do this stuff. We can scale. Here's the promise. Because we were starting to, in my in my mind, like from my um, anecdotal experience on the Twitters, it did look to me like um, Bitcoiners were starting to realize that Lightning Network kind of did have these significant challenges and it's not moving as fast as they thought it would and it's not being adopted like they thought it would. And everyone is using it custodially, custodially apart from Phoenix, where you just like totally pwn your privacy. 
So I, I do think like intuitively that a lot of Bitcoiners and maximalists are, were kind of like, yeah, you know, we need, we need something else. I think that it's likely that that bump recently in the Bitcoin dominance could have been related to that. Um, I mean, you know, that's sort of speculative, right? I'm like, it's like when you watch the news and they're like, stocks are up today on the news of a government bailout for, I don't know, for the airliners or something like that. Like they, or they just, they insert the latest news as the reason for the stocks going up and there could be like a false correlation fallacy there. Um, but I mean, there is like a, a significant resurgence of optimism, I think that I've seen on Bitcoin. Um, so, okay. uh, I, you know, we'll see like this, this chart does look slightly bullish. Like I'm not going to lie. The Bitcoin dominance chart looks pretty good right here. Um, that, that could also just do with the, the market in general going down, right? And people going to moving into Bitcoin as like the last resort type thing. Yeah. Um, well, I think that combined with the fact that FTX is not here to save shitcoins um, ultimately, because, you know, with the whole bear market, we saw Bitcoin dominance either flat or down. Like occasionally with these like spikes, but you know the the whole bear market was Bitcoin dominance having problems. But as soon as FTX collapsed, you know we we saw the resurgence of of Bitcoin dominance. Um, so I, I think that's that's probably the larger factor. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, but I mean things haven't really gone down too much, right? Like I mean they've gone down some. We've been we've kind of been waiting for one direction or another to happen, and and nothing has really happened. Um, sorry for all the dirty lines here. Like I know this chart looks quite dirty. Um, but I mean, we're still like, it's kind of like, okay, we hit the bottom things came up to the top. Everyone was optimistic that we could like, you know, come, come up to the upside and make 40, 50,000. Um, and right now things kind of broke down from this, this rising wedge, but despite breaking down from a rising wedge, like we haven't actually seen like a real hardcore breakdown, um, to the downside. So, um, we, we've got the, uh, this is the GPTC premium on the bottom currently at minus 16%. This thing is probably going to continue closing um, back to zero. I think the presumption is that um, BlackRock is going to get their ETF, which means that um, Grayscale is also probably going to get their ETF, um, which means that this thing will close to zero. Um, let's see. Uh, let's take a look real quick at um, the Monero divergences. So all week long, basically, uh, maybe not all week long, but for the last three days, looks like. Um, yeah, Monero prices have been... Um, divergently down on Binance, Polo, Finex, and KuCoin as related to Kraken, um, which is interesting because, you know, we actually saw, um, we actually saw Bitcoin, uh, saw Monero uh, moving to the upside versus Bitcoin um, right here. So uh, another thing to look at is um, this big head and shoulders that we've been talking about, like for months now, um, is uh, right, that green candle there is nice. We actually broke through this very long-term downsloping uh, resistance line. Um, I think this is very good sign. This is exactly what we want to see, right? We've got the shoulder head and kind of a very large shoulder right here. This mm -hmm. thing coming to the upside, um, if this continues, like if we get another week like this, I mean, to me, it's like the chart pattern is very clear and it's worth like it's worth a long, it's worth a bet. It's worth putting money into Monero um, as a as the chance that it could be correct. Uh, and again, you know, it's like it's tea leaves, it's probabilities, you know, it doesn't have to play out, but um Technically, if it did play out, where does that take you? Like, would, where would um, a chartist say that would take you to, based on the head and shoulder? Uh, on the head and shoulder alone, out. so this line right here, what you do is you measure from the neckline to the head, and then you just pull that over here. So that would put Monero at 1%, right about 1% dominance for the crypto market cap, um, which also kind of lines up, if you'll notice, with the very long-term upper standard deviation bands, right? So like this area right here is, is kind of where you would expect if, um, if Monero pumped. 
uh, along this this charting pattern, which would put it uh, about um, about three and a half to four x higher uh, right. than than its current price. Like all, everything else being equal, um, like if crypto just treaded water, stayed where it is, um, and Monero pumped, that would put Monero yeah like three to four times um, higher in in price, which would be currently one fifty two. So yeah, that would be like six hundred dollars. That would be sweet. <laughs> could uh, could start using Travala. Travala <laughs> <laughs> the world. I never sell my Monero. The only time I sell my Monero is when I need to make some kind of like crypto payment, and I'm like, no, you don't get to, you don't get to see my, you know, my stablecoin address or whatever. <laughs> Actually, I played a, a nice little um, chain analysis on. Uh, I made a payment in stablecoin, and someone they're like, here, send it to this address. So I looked it up on chain analysis or on uh, a block explorer, of course, and. Uh, exported the CSV and I was like, oh, looks like you guys had X point X million dollars flow through that address in, in the last uh, uh, 90 days. <laughs> so like, <laughs> just in case, you know, you care about that kind of thing. What, uh, I also have Monero. Um, you know, they haven't responded to me yet. I, it was like late, maybe not late, but like at the close of business yesterday. So I don't think they've seen it yet, but they'll probably come back and be like, no, we're regulated and we can't. Oh, no. Like, all right, well. If you ever want to do some freedom, hit me up for Monero. I'll pay you guys a Monero. <laughs> Monero, Monero uh, transaction count is looking looking pretty solid. I just feel like yeah, it's, it's a slow look, climb up. Looks like we've ticked up. Yeah, we're kind of above the 20,000 mark, and we've been there since, um, what would that be, like the beginning of the month? Mm-hmm. Mm, September 25th, 24th. Yeah, so we've kind of been above 20,000. Um, it's not like, it's not massive, but we haven't had like this kind of um, consistent um, higher than twenty thousand transaction count for for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Let's go to uh, yeah, really since um, I guess since uh, May. What is this date for? Yeah, April, May. Yeah, I mean, it's optimistic, especially given the bear market, right? It just feels like people are ignoring and and actually using. There's there's some some use base usage that's happening in Monero. I know I use it every day. <laughs> well, I mean, same. Even though it hurts, you know, a little more because we're in a bear market. Yeah. I still, I still use it because there's so much I can use it for, and I like yeah. using it. We, I mean, we run all our businesses with Monero, the people we pay, and everything. And, and if I want to make up for the amount I'm spending now in the bear market for Monero, I can just buy more. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I'll, I'll know. I'll look back and be like, "Wow, I ended. Up, I, I spent quite a quite a bit on that in retrospect, given what Monero's <laughs> worth today." But uh, I don't know. I've I've become numb to that. Just treat it like it's uh, just you know, try to live off of it comfortably numb exactly so um there's maybe like one or two more things uh i would i would love to present to everyone today um we're looking at here is the bitcoin cme price and on the bottom this is a correlation analysis um it's a rolling three-week correlation analysis to the nasdaq the reason that we look at the cme bitcoin versus the nasdaq is that they're always open at the same time if you try and look at the bitcoin price relative to the nasdaq Bitcoin has weekends and Bitcoin never has weekends off and the NASDAQ does. So what I do is we look at this on the CME because the CME has the same hours, basically, um, at least maybe not the NASDAQ, but the NASDAQ futures, which is NQ1I or sorry, NQ1 um, XCLAM. Anyways, OK, so the bottom here is a correlation analysis running three weeks. And you'll notice that for basically the whole bear market, um, there was heavy correlation. So zero is no correlation. One at the top here is positive correlation and minus one is negative correlation. So, um, yeah, you'll notice that generally speaking, for most of the bull market, we had positive correlation. Bitcoin had positive correlation to stocks, to the NASDAQ. 
and like for the entire bear market, it was like heavy correlation. And we kind of talked about this a little bit before where it's like stocks will go up and Bitcoin won't, crypto won't, stocks will go down and then somehow Bitcoin is doing well. You can see this right here on the bottom because you're oscillating around the zero point. What this means is no correlation, right? That's what this chart would suggest is that ever since about May, there has been, um, there's been no correlation between Bitcoin and stocks. They're like their daily movements basically, or their weekly movements. So um, I just thought that was, you know, it's, it's always good. We, we've talked about that before. We said, hey, there's, there seems to be like some very light anti-correlation um, sometimes. And so it's good to be able to put like a, a metric on that, a way to look at that and say, okay, let's, let's see how clear this, this correlation or anti-correlation or no correlation, right? Let, like how clear is that? So, um, yeah, I mean, kind of oscillating between correlated, not correlated, um, but I mean, crypto just hasn't moved very much, right? Like our range for the past um, two months is basically 13%. Um, maybe I did that measurement slightly wrong at yeah, 15%. So, um, yeah, there's that. And then um, the last thing we'll look at is um, Bitcoin relative to stocks. So um, just so we can like, you know, kind of tie that up there about how... Um, how things look, how, how Bitcoin is performing relative to the stock market. So basically, you just take Bitcoin, you divide it by the NASDAQ, and, um, and, and you, you understand without looking at dollars, right, without looking at fiat, you understand how they're performing relative to each other. So um, yeah, I mean, overall, um, it's just kind of been sideways chop. Let's clear, clear the wave magic. That's not too important here. In fact, what we'll do is look at the weekly. We haven't looked at this chart in quite a while. Um, yeah, so Bitcoin obviously peaked quite high here in the bull market relative to NASDAQ. Um, this was the peak from 2017, and you'll notice that relative to stocks, since that peak in 2017, like Bitcoin is basically just performing about the same as stocks um, overall, right? With a lot of volatility, right? Significantly more volatility. Um, so I just thought that was uh, maybe useful to point out. Um, currently, so we're back here on the daily. Um, Currently, I mean, just kind of like chopping sideways, I, I would expect it to basically continue doing this. Maybe there's some light positive pressure here, um, or maybe you could break down this line. But overall, I, I would effectively expect to stay uh, inside this range. So um, it's, you know, that, that's probably not what the, uh, the moon boys want to hear, um, you know, because the moon boys say that, you know, Bitcoin is the thing to, to beat inflation. And it's like, well, eh, a lot of things beat inflation. All the finance bros have known for like, three decades that uh, that you got to beat inflation that you don't save in fiat. Um, and so it's the question is, well, which asset is going to go up today or tomorrow? Um, but, you know, I mean, uh, crypto is a reasonable play, right? Like um, it, the fundamental promise of a digital bearer asset is, is a big deal. Um, and no matter what no what any no coiner wants to say, it's a real thing and it's minimally viable for that. Crypto as a whole is minimally viable for that. I mean, Monero is the best um, censorship resistant digital bearer asset that exists. Um, Bitcoin is, you know, it's pretty good. It's like minimally viable, marginally viable. Um, but I mean, fundamentally, it's a good play. Like buy it, hold it, use it, you know, save with it, spend with it. Um, and, uh, you know, pray to the crypto gods <laughs> to pump our bags. Amen. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Uh, we do have Red132 asking about ETC. Did you say, did you go over it? Uh, we kind of like slightly glanced over it. Yeah. So uh, we had this uh, descending wedge and um, it's kind of broken down that wedge. So I'm, I don't entirely trust that this breakdown is um, like, I, I don't necessarily think that the next move is down. We see um, sometimes we, we will often see breakdowns only to come back to the other side, which is kind of something we saw with the dollar index that we talked about earlier um, where like dollar or, or no, I'm sorry, um, gold. 
Let's go to gold. So just to show you an example of this really quick, gold had kind of this descending wedge, which it broke down and then immediately um, came back to the upside. So it's totally possible that this thing does something similar. Um, maybe we can pull the wave magic up. I, I wouldn't expect ETH to, to make any big breakouts right here. I don't, I don't see any reason for it to, for it to pump massively at the moment. Um, but I do think that in a bull market <clears throat> in the next, um, you know, the next very broad up movement of all markets, I think that uh, ETH is very likely to, to outperform Bitcoin yet again. There's just so much, <clears throat> excuse me, there's so much being developed on it. There's so much like useful stuff, useful tools. Um, and, you know, the maximalists are probably kind of right that it's, you know, there's a lot of like bankers involved with ETH. There's a lot of like institutions involved with this thing. Um, it's useful for them. They can like the promise is there that they could develop stuff. I don't think that any of these institutions are really thinking about um, really thinking about Bitcoin as like their Turing complete um, platform that they can use to, you know, do all kinds of like crazy financial magic. One thing I would say here um, on the uh, the standard deviation bands, the lower standard deviation bands have now started to curl under. Um, it's they're kind of messy because you've got all the all of the short term bands overlaid with the long term bands, but even the long term bands, um, I don't know if you can see that very well. Make make sure to switch to 1080p. But even the long term bands are starting to move to the downside. This is like from a wave magic standpoint, this is not good action. At best, you would hope that it would come back up here. Um, it needs to recover. Like it it definitely needs to recover here, um, or else like. I mean, from a wave, again, speaking solely from the wave magic standpoint, you would say this thing needs to recover soon because these are curling under. And if price continues to languish down here, then you very well could see a, a big uh, drop to the downside. Um, and again, maybe maybe this is because there's the promise of Turing completeness on Bitcoin now. Um, that's that's a possibility. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's uncertain. Like, I, I really I really don't know what to make of the markets right now. There's a lot of signals kind of saying different things. The dollar index really pumped hard um, over the last month, uh, two months, and we didn't see stock markets drop by that much. Like stocks were surprisingly resilient. Crypto has been surprisingly resilient, even in the face of some, um, even in the face of like some bad chart patterns. So, you know, I mean, and then we, and then we got the war going on. So now there's like even more reason to print. Um, I mean, the government shut down looms, which is, you know, the whole war was convenient for that as well, right? Now they're now they're probably going to figure out how to avert the terrible government shutdown um, that could, that was looming, um, which basically right. just means they're going to print more money, right? But, All right, uh, buddy. Yeah. Uh, today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, did the ring of fire come through yet? Oh, I don't know. You know, I got to check it out. Like, it should be. Yes. I mean, I'm not going to see the ring here. It's, you know, we're only 50% yeah, coverage. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think it's like right now. Like, if you're in San Antonio or in Corpus Christi, Utah, it's, it's probably happening like right now. So, cool. All right. I'm going to go check that out. All right, buddy. Cheers. Thanks, Later. Thank you. All righty. We got Comrade. Let's, let's, let's run the, yeah. the, yep. dev let's the dev report. And now for the Monero development segment. Hey, what's up? Comrade, how's it going, man? I'm, I'm, I'm good. I, I could make it, as you see. All right. Thanks for doing it. As always, um, uh, well, yeah, yeah. Give it a go. I guess you're going to talk about the the upgrade, Monero, the, upgrade? the Monero OS uh, now, and maybe next week about the upgrades for the business and maybe subscription wallets. Okay. So there's not really much to say about the Monero OS as as it's basically 
an AR uh, AR based OS and it's it's live uh, so you can run it through a pen drive too like for example NiceHash or uh, HiveOS and you don't need to take up uh, all the space from your SSDs and the HDDs uh, it's inspired by NiceHash uh, as as written and is based on Arch so it's neither a Debian or RPM based system uh, the way you, you install it uh, is you can either use Balina Eater uh, or you can use DD by the one second. Let me get my USB key. Got it. So basically, you can do it this way uh, like you check the USB, which, which USB you have. So for me, uh, for me, I think this one's the one. Yes. So it's an 8 gig USB, and the way I install it is DD. Uh, the EF input file uh, should be the ISO that you downloaded uh, from the releases tab. Uh, for me, I, I personally, personally didn't download the ISO, so I'm just going to use a random one that I have, Proxmox. The output file should be the drive that you're installing, so in my case, SDC slash dev slash SDC and uh, you should generally use uh, a block size of 32 megabytes and if you want to see the status of the installation to your USB key you could write status equals progress and that way one second I need to use sudo because it's a read command So that way, uh, it starts installing the uh, OS to your. Are you just uh, using the Proxmox ISO as an example? Yes, I, I had that on hand because I I have uh, really little space on my drive, so I, I need to buy a one terabyte one. So uh, when it finishes, you, you can just uh, write write sync in the terminal, and it syncs of the USB key, and then you, you can pull it out. Uh, the other way is, is as I said, you can use Balina Etcher. Uh, you, you can download it from their website. I think uh, that's balina.io. And you can just open it, uh, click on Flash from File, uh, click the ISO that you downloaded from the releases tab uh, from this GitHub second. And so uh, just just to explain, so why, why would people go ahead and use this versus... So other... basically, if you have... Uh, lots of mining systems or just one that you don't want to really mess with, mm -hmm. then you can just install it like a mining OS and you can just set it up as, as written here. One second installation. And uh, preferable, preferably you would use P2Pool. So you just click on this and uh, you download the config.json uh, from here that you have to put in the COWMOS partition that uh, it creates, uh, the uh, ISO. And and you would put the config adjacent in there uh, that has this config. And uh, you would put the PT pool uh, underlying config adjacent uh, there with your uh, monitor address, uh, a monitor node maybe the XMR uh, uh, VSB one or your own node, preferably. So it's easier to mine with P2Pool than using XMR rig? Uh, no, so uh, P2Pool is using XMR rig. So th this is the XMR rig config. 
and this is the P2Pool config. Uh, you download it downloads the P2Pool node for you. Start it with this config that that you have. You just enter the RPC, ZMQ port, and your nodes, and of course your uh, external address. And uh, it started for you when you reboot your computer uh, once it's bootable. And uh, it uses the XMRA config that you have here uh, to connect to the P2Pool node, which you'll mine for uh, you on the P2Pool. Okay. Uh, Tuxi, any comments here? I'm just trying to understand what... Uh what the development is here versus, I guess, using what previously previously existed. So, like, sorry, go ba- ahead. So basically, you'd only have to edit two files and uh, download an ISO that you flash the USB drive instead of having to uh, instead of ha- having to set up multiple computers uh, with their own OS, with their own uh, XMRIG, P2 pool node, uh, etc. You just uh, have one USB key which you can either boot live or you can install it to several computer SSDs. So mo- basically, if you have multiple computers, this is so much easier, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, Talks any comments there? I think it's kind of cool. It's like easy if you need, if you want to swap the, the systems fast, you can just take the USB out for a different one. And it's if you like have a dedicated system just for Monero mining, because like a lot of people do, because they want to use the full, all the cores on their processor. Mm-hmm. Then it makes makes it easy and convenient to set that up. And how is it different from NiceHash? Isn't NiceHash kind of do that already or no? Uh, NiceHash, I, I think NiceHash only only uh, enables you to use their own pool, like NiceHash nice OS. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it's it's based on Arch, so it really just has the basic uh, Linux things uh, in it. Not like uh, Ubuntu, which you have multiple bloatware on because it's it, it's, it's made easy it's made optimized for... setup. Yes. Mining. Okay. Very cool. And, All right. Uh, which I just said, uh, and with Windows, you you would only use Balina uh, and basically the same setup, but uh, you need to create an NTFS partition uh, to. For it to function proper, properly, which can uh, do by opening the uh, hard disk partitions utility. Uh, it is safe because of buying another. Yes. Explain that. Yes, my mighty pumpkin uh, saying. It's no. Uh, yes. Yes. So basically, you, you could just drive a USB key of maybe eight or sixteen gigs, mm-hmm. uh, rather than buying a, a whole SSD of maybe one twenty-eight or two fifty-six, two fifty-six gigs. Like a USB key, I don't know. In the US, in in Hungary, it costs like ten bucks nowadays. For the the regular regular Joe Monero uh, guy who's you know, maybe not super technical, what do you, what do you suggest these days for somebody who wants to start mining? So if if someone wants to start mining Monero by using their own CPU, like their uh, own desktop and not a separate PC. Yeah. Then I'd probably suggest uh, using Gupax. But if you are into it uh, by buying a separate computer for mining and using your desktop for desktop things, then I probably use this OS. It's real straightforward. Mm. Tux, you got any comments there? Like for, for you know for the noob that wants to just turn mine on their computer, simplest way they want to mine, maybe P two pool. I mean, I think he had the uh, the best the best options there. Like Goopax is probably uh, it's probably the way to go, to be honest. All right. Have we done anything on Goopax itself? I don't think we. 
don't know if you ever had uh, no maybe uh, i i could do it one of the weeks and that, that that's just that's just like a, a gui for for mining right makes it like super- uh basically it's down it downloads the the xmr rig the beautiful node for you and you can just click click maybe six buttons and you're mining already mm-hmm. it's got a lot Perfect. more options to make the mining more optimized for your yeah, yeah, compared yeah, to Monero GUI. Mm-hmm. so it's kind of got a better miner but and it's easy to get p2 pool up and running with it right yes all right thank you thank you so much man uh stick around if you can let's i guess we could try to do viewers on stage even i see alaska anon turn yes, just to mention this os was made by four car or arcal i don't know how he wants to be pronounced and uh of course there is the current xr projects uh to look out for oh yes are, yeah yeah let, let... which are the monero signer which i thought has been abandoned but no uh they came up with some updates on it they featured how it would look one second let me find that post So exit it out. And this is how it, it will look. It's it's basically a seed signer, but uh, with the Monero uh, signer firmware. And here's the website coming mm-hmm. soon. Well, de- developing a full firmware and OS for such a little devices is a bit complicated, but they are doing yeah, their best. That's cool. Is that the one Monero time is doing? Yeah. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Nice. I don't think we ever had him on, right? I think he was a yeah. little expensive because of the language barriers. Yeah, I think he's uh, French. Yeah, but maybe maybe we can get him to come on. So you're saying you're saying these are some projects to keep an eye on that have been making progress. Yes, and uh, of course the sub- subscription and business water, which I was doing with uh, Luke, but I don't have much time nowadays. Sadly, he is doing the business world currently, uh, making a lot, making lots of updates for it. So you see, two days ago, two days ago, three. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, he made a separate GUI. Uh, just like this, but uh, we will uh, update to a more modern G- GY uh, soon if, if we are able to. Very cool. Yeah, maybe we could get maybe we get Luke to come on. I know, I know Pretty he's cool busy. to check that out at some point because I think we, yeah. we had you show the subscription wallet a while back, right? Yes, yes, yeah, yes. but not the business wallet is a, is a new thing. That's the, that, that's I'll, an exciting project. The business yes. wallet, I, I like what he's trying to solve there. I'll ask. Ask him if he wants to come on because I'll have I have direct contact with him. All right. And here are the Monero stats for the moment of writing. Uh, well, Monero transactions was I do these free dates uh, because so we have a bit of analyzation here. Uh, uh, this is the thirtieth seventh and uh, the thirteenth because uh, we currently don't have the data for two days, of course. Oh, okay, so you're showing from last episode to okay, yes. <laughs> that's, that's cool. To the re- the most uh, recent on the 13th. Well, hey, look, uh, over twenty thousand. We, we are we are going here, yeah. And uh, as as you can see, we will hit three million uh, block heights uh, to the next Monerotopia episode. Oh, we should do a oh, three million block height celebration episode. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Then the, the node count. Uh, do we have an accurate way of determining node count? What do you, what do you use it for that? To be to be honest, I don't really know if we have a hundred percent accurate one. But there is Monero that fails slash map maps. Mm. No, no maps, not maps, not just map. And here it would uh, show it just like Bali did. But uh, I don't know why it doesn't. Oh, it's still loading. Up. Oh, oops. Do you hear me? 
Yeah. Do Do we know? Um, do we have any insight into how accurate node counts are? I think this is the most accurate that we can find currently. Mighty Pumpkin's asking about Anon Narrow project. Which one was that again? I'm, I'm actually forgetting. That's that. that's uh, the other uh, the hardware. offline wallet. Right? Yeah, that that would be the uh, offline, maybe phone or hardware wallet. If if you can do it yourself. Right. Uh, I I think it's still live. I'm not sure. I will have to. See. Yes, and I think we had those. All right. Uh, thank you, thank you so much, man. Thank you, comrade. Uh, stick around if you can. We'll we'll do viewers on stage. Sure. Who wants to jump up? I I can stay maybe till thirty next hour, but I'm not sure. We'll right. see. Whatever you can do, uh, comrade. Thank you, man. The, the the youngest the youngest known Monero Monero user, <laughs> uh, and and developer that I know of. Comrade, how old are you? Fifteen. Yes, I'm fifteen, but I, I wouldn't state myself as a Monero developer. Just a simple developer. Uh, okay. You know, well, I I only have developer. The subscription wallets and the business wallets so far, but that's 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 big, man. That's more than most have done. So, kudos yeah. to you. Um, all right, moving along. Thank you as always, comrade. And stick, yeah. Once again, stick around if you can. Tuxi, want to run the viewers on stage? If you have anybody that wants to jump up, we do. Uh, let's do that. It's the viewers on stage segment. It's that time where we invite you, the viewers, up on stage to comment on anything you've heard so far today. Ask the guest a question, or maybe talk about one of the news topics. Come on down. Shortwave Surfer, I'm trying to invite you up, but it looks like you don't have a mic or webcam connected, so it's not going to let me. It's going super. Hello, gentlemen. Anon, how's it going, man? What's up? How's my sound right now? I have the microphone really far away. It's perfect. Nice. Nice. I have no idea how like a $10 microphone can even sound good, but what a wonderful world we live in today. I don't <laughs> I don't hear any static noise. Because everything nice. gets like ultra processed by whatever you're using now. So one thing that I was thinking from the the news segment that was kind of interesting was how many different people, um, including myself, like people who have been guests on Monerotopia, people who have chimed in, they have this running theme about how because the government corruption requires the existence of cash, or some other people are saying because government corruption benefits so greatly from the existence of Monero, we're all just super convinced that it's never going to go away. They're just going to try to find ways to like keep you from having it, right? It's just like guns will never go away. They just don't want you to have guns, you know? <laughs> and I thought it was really interesting that all of the sudden there's all of this uh, this news coming out trying to claim that Oh, the Nigerians are really all about using their CBDC now. <laughs> and, it's a, and yet, like, the people who are actually there are like, no, no, we hate these things. We're not using them. I don't know what they're talking about. Like, they might take their free money and that's it. <laughs> what, what, what do you think of that claim, though, that, like, in Nigeria, cash isn't going anywhere because... Uh... I mean, that's what, that's what I said over a year ago. Remember, like that's I mean, that's that's exactly my position from the very beginning that like corruption, corruption will always look for a means to protect its own ill-gotten gain. And in cash is still the best vehicle for people to continue to control their people. So why would they get rid of it? Right. That's I just don't see a better option for them to funnel their their wicked 
their wicked deeds into something that works in the real economy. Agreed, agreed. Uh, Remsey, what's going on, man? Yo, yeah. I mean, I think uh, the major problem right now is actually less so like the governments. Like, I think a major problem is also the corporate structure where there's just bad incentives. Like, all the big companies are owned by the banks, and it's not necessarily the governments that in the, like that issue. It's more like the the economy is just based on this like system of bad incentives through corporations. But yeah, I'm, I'm big into like token ownership. Um, and so, yeah, I'm a Solidity developer, so I work on Ethereum. But um, yeah, if Monero were programmable, I would program on it. Cool, cool. I think it's the first time you've been on Monerotopia, right? I think I've seen the name around, but I don't think... You, have you jumped up on stage before? Uh, yeah, yeah, I have. Okay, okay. okay. Um, very cool, man. So what, what is your your overall take then on Monero. So you're, you're ETH, you're, you're more of an ETH guy, but you, I hold what a, value do you see in Monero? amount of Monero. Okay. All right. Uh, what that do you got? until that awful boating accident. I was there. He lost it all in a boating accident. I, I prefer that. to say that it, it went out my nose. <laughs> Big um, balls on this guy. Yeah. I just snorted it off. <laughs> That, that that is the base value of Monero, they say, right? Um, what do you get? What do you guys think of these uh, allegations that Hamas was using cryptocurrency um, to to raise funds, and the suggestion that they no longer use Bitcoin, they're using something else? How do you, how do you guys see this playing out? I'd point out. I mean, it's almost certainly to some degree true because who doesn't use every available financial funneling method? <clears throat> but I think that the real story that people are missing on that is, is so Binance was like the first people who helped him get rid of uh, the accounts, right? And Binance is started by, at the very least, he was recently a CCP asset. Uh, but I mean, what are the odds that he's not currently a, C a CCP asset? And then he starts an exchange in China and then they let him leave with all of his money while they're simultaneously shutting it down. Are you so, talking about so, CZ? Yeah. He, and then he goes to Malta and he starts working, you know, and has a, like a special deal with Bahama, the Bahamas as well. And then a bunch of English banking cartels work together with the guy to shut down all of the bank accounts and that money will probably end up in Israel, right? And on top of that, all of the banks are calling them state assets. So in other words, they're saying that Hamas is, in, in some degree, they're recognizing its, its state autonomy, like its national autonomy. They're freezing the, the actual monetary assets, and they're also calling it a, a financial vehicle, right? Like all of these crypto donations, they're calling them financial vehicles. So it's like you're acknowledging that it's a financial asset. You're acknowledging that it is used for these processes of liquidity. But at the same time, you know, they'll also prevent it from being used as money in other ways. And then on top of that, they're, they, this one guy at the exchange level is only able to do a certain currency. So like this whole story has made the case that the Monero people have been making for years now, 
that number one, Monero works. Number two, exchanges are the problem. Number three, governments around the world are colluding as one homogenous blob to prevent you from having oh. freedom. And like, so China and Israel are supposed to be adversarial right now, right? And, and it, like Iran and Hamas are supposed to be adversarial to the West and Russia is supposed to be having. And yet it's really bizarre how they all come together at specific times when it's in the interest of preventing you from having financial freedom and putting money into the pockets of banks, no matter which banks they are, like Russian banks, British banks, Israeli bank. And it, it just shows you also that like the odds of this whole this whole thing not being coordinated from on high are it's already virtually zero, right? <laughs> One second. Uh Ramsey, you commented that I shouldn't use a lot of clicky keys because AI can process that. Uh, is that sarcastic or are you speaking? No, that's that? a real. I mean, like, yeah, I've I've seen that AI. Like, I've like yeah, I've, but, I've, I've read that report. So, like, I don't know if that AI exists now, but it might in two, in five years if you're still using the same password. Someone yeah, could, like, but, use that AI to. to but to how it. would it determine what keys I pressed? Like, how does it know what keyboard I have, first of all? Second of all, how would it determine the key sound? Like, th there is no associated keys with the sound. Yeah, well, it's a distance. They, if they know the out the, the layout of your keyboard, they're probably going to assume you're using a QWERTY keyboard or maybe where whatever keyboard is common in your country. I don't know. Yeah. They're, they're, it's, it's a thing. That's I, I, I just would watch out for that. Yeah, but, for example, uh, G, like this... With sounds an H like this, it's the same. Bro, it can tell the difference though. But like the thing is that yeah, it has to know your exact keyboard, or else it has no way of knowing where it starts. But if it knows the keyboard, then it can basically uh, map based on sound how close yeah, the keys but, are together. But, but basically, a G and an H would sound the same because oh, it's almost the uh, the half uh, of the keyboard. So, <laughs> like, there's a difference. Like, even yeah. if it's unperceivable yeah. to you, there's still a difference. Yeah, if you were typing, like, FF, uh -huh. it would sound slightly different than if you're typing F, like, any other letter, because it's, like, just the same finger twice. I could hear the difference. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can we all just agree that it's time to stop feeding microphone data to a bunch of centralized AI <laughs> monoliths? Like, I mean, who cares what they're using? To, maybe they just shouldn't have the data in the first place, and we stop using that crap no matter what. Like, Plus one. It's too late. They can deepfake all of us at this point. <laughs> well, yeah. So I also, Body was talking about uh, how the correlation in Bitcoin had been unbelievably correlated for like this really long run. And then all of a sudden, the correlation had dropped to zero. Um, so if you ever follow all of those like really unbearable people that run with like Davos and, you know, the international banker meetings and all of that crap, a whole bunch of them just started pumping Bitcoin, like maybe five or six days ago within their own little circles. Um, and I, <clears throat> I was also thinking that it was really interesting. Uh, and I had mentioned it before, like, so the Chinese government had made it illegal to collect in the context of the uh, uh, of CZ, like they had made it illegal, but they let CZ leave with all of his assets and go to another country and all that. 
And at a time where you can't legally mine Bitcoin in China, they have all of these miners right next to all of these government agencies and right next to. But also buried in that story is Microsoft is maintaining all of these different government assets. Yes, yes, yes. They have like the worst security record ever. <laughs> and, the, and so it's just like, not only is the base compromised, but then the people hosting their data is compromised and their power grid is compromised. And they literally have Chinese soldiers just meandering between the base and the Microsoft <laughs> right on top of their network. Like it's literally on top of their network. Like it's it's just unbelievable how like it, it's all pretend, right? They they all they have to be in on it together. There's no way they overlook this. And then the story emerges just in time as if the buildings were all slapped up yesterday, right? As if they didn't have to do all of these permits and do this special stuff with the grid. And as if the military wasn't watching what was being built next to their air base, right? right. Just all of a sudden, all of the, out of nowhere, the people just suddenly had a Bitcoin miner and there was just suddenly these Chinese soldiers living in Wyoming. And now we need to run a New York Times headline at the same time as we're telling everybody else they can't have Bitcoin, but we're also going to pump it to our buddies. And it, it's it's just so like patently absurd. The whole thing is so ridiculous that like that oh, I'll just I'll leave it there. But you can see what I'm saying. How like they have to be in on it together. There's no other explanation. Solid solid points. The, the one thing that gets me about Binance is they still have that BNB token, like FTX had the FTX token, and that's like allegedly like eighty-six billion dollars market cap or something, but it's like that's just according to them. Like they have like ninety like according to them, they have they also have ninety-nine percent of the volume. So how are you how are you making that? Where's that that's eighty-six billions like backed by nothing? So I think that if there is some kind of shift in the market, BNB token could be like a cause of and think about the fact that like this war supposedly popped off like four days ago or whatever. And Binance just like immediately freezes accounts and immediately hands over all of this banking data and so on. Like there's no attempt to contest it. Apparently they don't even need to like do any research. They don't need to confirm that the people actually earned their finances legitimately or whatever. No difference. It, and then they're also appraised at, you know, a hundred bajillion dollars and, you know, the SEC doesn't care and, you know, the International Monetary Fund doesn't care. But God help you if you claim that your house is worth more than it is when you sell it, you know. What you do is you just go, you just use your Monero and go on MoneroMarket.io and you can buy um, Delta 8 THC and get high. Delta 8 sucks. You got to get the real shit. Pumpkin, what's going on, man? Hey, hey guys. I'm good. How are you? Good, good. What, what do you got for us? Any comments? Uh, no. Nah. <laughs> okay. I'm just enjoying your stream. Shortwave Surfer, what do you think, man? What do you, what do you think? you think there's going to be a ramp up against cryptos like Monero, uh, given what we're seeing with this these allegations that uh, Hamas is being funded with crypto? Um. Probably, but that's the thing about Monero is this, that it can survive um, this regulation and crap like that. It's built to it's built to withstand this. It's not built to to fail in the in an adversarial case. Agreed, agreed. Uh, any any other comments, guys? The last game on. You got anything else? So I noticed that 
I, and I would imagine you're definitely not alone in this. A lot of people wondering like, okay, Monero OS, like what's the point, right? And it can be kind of difficult to explain, but I would actually like to crystallize like a 10,000 foot view of why I think it matters so much. And it actually kind of lines up with why I was so all about the uh, Monero Noto thing. But they actually serve two different purposes of the same goal, right? So people having their own trusted nodes and being able to use light wallets is incredible for like adoption purposes, right? If some particular person has a problem with syncing their wallets or has it, you know, or or they don't want to do the headache of maintaining you just like there's certain values in the way that a bank maintains your bank account, right? A noto allows a small group of people to maintain the account. Well, on the other side of things, Monero OS has the power to get people invested in the success of Monero and glean a piece of the action. So what I mean by that is um, a, a couple of people that I, I deal with on a regular basis, they keep a Linux distribution on a thumb drive like everywhere they go. And then when people are having computer problems, you know, you have like five or six different thumb drives with five or six different Linux distributions that might match closely with what the person might need. Everything from like puppy Linux to some Ubuntu distribution that's like more, uh, you know, for a nicer computer or whatever. And when people are struggling to use their computer because, you know, it sucks because it's got that awful virus known as Windows or something like that on it. You can help them right there, right now. But the other thing is you can allow somebody to immediately start using their computer to mine Monero. And, you you know, you could hang out with them for a day or whatever, or you hang out with them for two days. Uh, or you could just come back in a couple of days and say, hey, you got this payout. You got this much Monero for just like running it on a computer that was sitting there in your living room or your bedroom or whatever. And you can even send it to them and you can be like, you earned this. You built this by helping this community secure the network. And then all of a sudden there's something very real about the process of what mining is, how it's not this like ethereal thing that other people do and they don't. Uh... But then the other thing is that might be an easy, an easy way in for them to continue doing it. And it only costs you 10 bucks to just give them the ability to mine for, you know, I mean, you would imagine forever or they could then once they get used to it, make their own and then give that one to someone else. It's like a pay it forward system. The barrier to entry, the cost goes down, the yields improve and they can see with their own eyes the process actually doing what it's supposed to be doing at the very floor of the technical level, all the way up to having Monero in a wallet on their phone that they can spend right now. So in my opinion, it's a, it's an, it's a massive onboarding tool for people who might be on the fence. The way I do my mining is I have a uh, Monero D P2 pool and uh, XM rig proxy set up on one computer. And so all of my, all of the computers that I have around the house that are just on all the time. Anyway, I just direct them through XM rig to the XM rig proxy and have, <clears throat> and have all that hash rate going to one XM rig proxy and just use it on P2 pool. Nice. That is a really good idea. Actually. Yeah, that's pretty solid. That would make it a lot easier for all of these computers around here to start. Doing Cause that. 
that way what I do is I named my uh, I named my computer like the the main one minor one so all I've got to do is um, set up XM rig to go to minor one dot local port three 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 and get its stuff from there and I don't have to worry about the P, like the P two pool setup the proxy the Monero node it's all in one computer I can just go there and change something if I need to like I needed to update my Monero D earlier just log in SSH download the new Monero D set it up and <clears throat> log back out. I'm super impressed with your whole model there, but your uh, naming creativity is a little worse, bro. <laughs> or use Monero minor one, like, come on, man. <laughs> yes, it's just called, it's called minor one. And yes, my naming creativity sucks. HBS saying Trezor announced the Trezor Safe 3 this week with support for Monero. Uh, that's cool. And I the secure element. I uh, wish probably like an arm trust zone type thing. I imagine. I wish Body was still here because I wanted to ask him about uh, the DeFi uh, DeFi Pulse Index DPI because I don't want to really be in USDC because of the fact that they're you know inflating the currency to all hell. I figured if I was in something like DPI, since it's an index, it would would stay decently stable and I can still borrow from it because I can't borrow from Pax G. Would be hemorrhaging quite as much money as you were if you were in an air quote stablecoin. Yeah, because I can't like they don't accept Pax G as collateral for loans, which is unfortunate. What is unfortunate? But they do accept like DPI and USDC and Matic and stuff like that. I don't want to be in necessarily Matic though because um, it's one single currency. I figure if it's gonna if I figure if I'm gonna do a DPI like a it's a basket of currencies, so it'd be a little better. I had one other story that had been brought up with the news segment that continues to fascinate me. So the digital yuan, there's all kinds of ways that you can use it without a phone. Now, like up in Prudhoe, for example, we found some pretty crafty ways to be able to use Monero while there was no internet or, you know, like there's all kinds of ways. But the thing is, is I would really like to hear more or I guess I'll just do the homework on my own about, you know, the, the systems that they had developed to use digital currencies offline, whether or not you had your wallet or your phone or whatever, um, and see a project that was going to take the serious and the serious endeavor to incorporate an offline wallet model for Monero. I mean, I would definitely be willing to throw down on that too. Um, but the other thing is, is that ties to the story about cash in Nigeria, right? Where um, it, it, one of the reasons why, you know, cash is so popular is because you can just like use it peer to peer, right? And it's easily fungible into a different form of the same monetary system that you can use digitally. Um, but having like peer-to-peer offline exchanges has another level to it that interests me, which is the security aspect. Um, when Monero changes hands outside of the chain and then resyncs with the chain, if that is in fact how they're doing it, it's like another ring signature that has its own level of untraceability, right? So if you were to just anonymously buy and sell peer to peer, even if you ended up with the same amount of Monero, you just did like a offline ring signature exchange and then everything kind of resyncs. That would be absolutely fascinating to me. All right. Any, any, any other comments? I think I'm, I got I to gotta make moves here. I got my... Uh, Likewise. 
Got some f- some family things to do. Anybody else want to throw any info out? Before we close oh, it out? there is one thing. Oh, go ahead. I had a question about why is Monero's hash rate so gone up so high? Like it is, it is increased by one gigahertz, one giga hashes. But like after the Bitcoin release, it's ASICs. But if you if you look at the map, if for to increase one gigahertz of hashes, you need like ten thousand of those Bitcoin ASICs. Did people buy ten thousand ASICs or why did it increase so much? That was my question. Well, I mean they're technically not a six but they're just like pretty optimized miners in a kind of but i don't know does anyone have any speculation on the pretty rapid plus one gigahertz and that's like 50 percent of the hash rate over I mean, energy, quite a few energy, time go ahead go ahead energy price inflation has been down so uh yeah i mean it could be just maybe more knowledge about the network and energy prices not going up and maybe Bitnain has, maybe they already have new Monero miners that they're testing right now since they are already selling off those old ones. Because, you know, like we've talked about before, they used those for several years before they sold them. So chances are maybe they already have another one testing or something. Yeah. Another thing that Body had pointed out, he, I mean, he has, I think he doesn't give the strength of his evidence the credit that it deserves, which is he had pointed out that they were almost certainly mining and then using it to suppress the price, mm. right? Because if you can print an infinite amount, amount of money it's easier to tap into the energy sector and lose a little bit of money to manipulate the price of monero if you got caught short right it's it's easy to just take a bunch of fiat turn electricity into monero and then push the price down but another thing that i'd point out that has happened before on a slightly smaller scale it it doesn't take much um to basically you know remote access somebody else's computer get it to do a bunch of mining for you and then send the monero to you oh something i should have added to news relating to that is that there's been a war in hackers taking over kubernetes clusters and setting up uh, Monero mining pods. Oh, yeah, that was exactly where I was going with it, was just the idea that it, it, it all you would have to do is find a way, like a zero-day even, some kind of zero-day exploit for something that people are using to control a lot of separate computers, and you could walk away with a tremendous hash rate. And you know, so it's... And, the thing is, is that has almost no effect on like the quality of Monero itself, but it has a huge price impact as far as the the efficacy of a miner, you know? Well, the cloud, as we know, it is also being attacked by AI because they can now solve captures. And so like cloud computing has this huge security vulnerability that's just opened up recently mm. for that. So. Yeah. And, and mining Monero would be the most obvious way to use something like that in order to in order to capitalize financially on all of these vulnerabilities, um, which, by the way, is another point about how like Monero is not going anywhere. Right. Like powerful, intelligent people like the, what is your other option if you want to engage in cyber warfare and you want to financialize it? I mean, Monero is so obviously the right answer for anybody engaging in these sort of activities. It's not going anywhere. If if you're stealing computing power, is Monero the most efficient thing to to use it for? Mining Monero? I mean, well, efficiency is less of an issue when it's free for you. It's the other guy paying for it. 
So it's not the efficiency, it's like how easily it is to get away with it and how liquid it is. Yeah, it's because right. you get away with, but you know, it's all, yeah, it's that's the main thing is that it's just, it's, you don't have to like think about it because a lot of ways people get caught is, you know, mm-hmm. because of the currency they're using. But also, um, like I found this one article, uh, CrowdStrike discovers first ever Darrow. Also, Darrow has been on the rise in this too so there it's it's pretty yeah, funny darrow is pretty awesome why, why darrow why they uh because it's also it's also um i i've been starting to look into it a little bit but it's got a lot of interesting privacy aspects to it um it's but, a monero smart contract you can think yeah. of it like the monero ethereum um but basically well, they've been darrow people monero people have been fighting to take over a lot of like servers <laughs> kubernetes clusters and to the point where they've been writing malware that will remove Darrow stuff to make it mine Monero again. It's pretty. It's pretty interesting. Wow. There's a, lot I mean, of there's a whole bunch of pen testing for both of them. By the way, it's super cool because like the 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 greater hacker community is inadvertently just dumping research data into both of the dev community because the the financial and and this is gonna just explode by the way it's like we haven't seen anything yet uh it's because think of all the people that right now they're trying to get like documents from people like nvidia or they're trying to get documents from sony or whatever think about what they're gonna do when they find out that instead of documents, they could literally just turn them into like a profit generating mechanism and punish them financially. Because nobody cares about all of that crap about like, oh, they were up to this or there was sexual harassment that was covered up. Nobody even cares anymore anyway. But you can hurt their bank account, right? You, so it's it's such a powerful way to strike people with different ideology that like this is the future direction of cyber warfare at the corporate level um because you can you can on an individual level you can hit somebody really hard and then profit from it right and so in the art of war it talks about like feeding on your enemy's supplies rather than your own well if you make a hundred bucks mining monero at the cost of another guy's thousand bucks in power bills and it also slows down their network and it also makes them spend all of this money like fixing their security vulnerabilities. And like you can hit a guy for like a million dollars and walk away with a thousand dollars. Okay, this is really funny. After discovering the Darrow crypto jacking campaign, CrowdStrike subsequently detected in February 2023 a modified Monero campaign attacking Kubernetes and kicking out the Darrow miner to mine Monero instead. That's hilarious. These people nice. are like fighting each other to steal uh cpu cycles but it looks like darrow offers larger rewards so that's that's why it's been starting to get used a little bit more um it's got some privacy features but with bigger rewards um it's not it's not the same thing as monero though it doesn't provide the same utility it's it's very different um so it's not really a fair comparison yeah they're they're not trying to be cash they're trying as my understanding is they're trying to be a smart contract that has like longevity to it um, so providing like some of the benefits of Ethereum, but for people who are privacy focused. I would like to, before we end this briefly, shill a, uh, I did a, an episode on the Monero.com YouTube channel, uh, tutorial for how to set up Monero suite, uh, on Ubuntu or Debian. So if you want an easy way to set up a node and have a block explorer locally, that's a way to do it. Remember your interview with Zillinar, uh, Zai there, Doug? Yes. With the right to transact. I actually went ahead and at the very end of that episode, he said that you could email him to purchase the book with Monero. 
So I went ahead and emailed him and purchased the book with Monero. I gave him 25 Monero for it. Oh, amazing. Because Amazon wanted 18 Monero. So I'm like, okay, if Amazon wants that, I want a stable price. So I'll offer, I'll offer him 25. Very cool. I think, I think that's the big thing about Monero is, is that we need to start pricing things in Monero. So like Amazon was selling it for 18. And I'm like, well, if, if I give him 18, then um, the price will change and he'll be either out some or whatever. So I'm like, I'll give him 25 and he can, if he'll keep the price the same, that way it doesn't fluctuate. Awesome. All Very right. cool that he uh, actually lived up to it and accepted Monero. Um, okay, did we see slowly dwindling away? But before before we uh, cut it off, did we see any change in uh, pool distribution given this rise in hash rate? Has anybody uh, noticed that? Let me look. I haven't looked. I've just been using my P2 pool. I'm gonna check too and see if I can find different data. Um, I mean, to be honest, looking at the seven day history, it looks like support XMR has gone up a bit. Uh, which usually it was Nano Pool that is using the highest. Um, it's got the can highest. You share the screen? Print. Uh, yep. Yep. Yeah, pull it up. Cool. Yep. So right now, uh, support XMR is at thirty four point nine percent, which is a little different because usually Nano Pool is the one that's uh, got the biggest percentage of hash rate. But you see, over the seven day, it's it's gone up a little bit. Uh, it's gone up from under you know under under a gigahertz to now it's it's over gigahertz in Nano pool has just been like going up and down your kind of cycle of people using not using uh then hash fault is 20 percent. so these are the big three players right now and can i pull up an even bigger history so support xmr took on most of the the new hash based power. on the seven day i'm trying to see if i can find a uh i don't know if the site will provide me bigger graphs or not but yeah support xmr right now based on their percentage compared to what nano pool usually is it looks like they probably took on most of that hash rate hmm and, it used, and Nanopool used to be the leader, right? Yeah, Nanopool historically has been the one that's leading. They've, they've been the one that multiple times have gotten close to the 50%. Right. People are like, whoa, you know, back off. And then they drop off quite a lot. Without support XMR, 35%. So while they're not at the, you know, they're not they're quite to the 50 it kind of sucks that we, we have uh, the pool issue um right now we've got three pools taking up the hash rate basically um what percentage does p2 pool have right now it's basically it's, uh, five percent yeah it's 5%. like it's not really yeah. It's, yeah. it generally seems to hover between five and seven like five point like eight and like seven or so i've noticed that a lot well right now since the hash rate is 3.2 gig hash it's only, only like three it's less than three percent right now ow yep yeah it's with... at 9.5 mega hash and the total hash rate right now is 3.2 giga hashed so Oh yep. yeah. One thing that I have noticed is the actual uh hash rate of P2 pool almost every time I look it's a little more static because people seem to not really care what the cost benefit analysis of mining is. Yeah, I'm like for example with me, I'm mining probably at a loss, like technically I'm mining at a loss cuz I I bought a computer with the specific thing of mining Monero with it. So I'm mining at a loss, but I don't care because what I want is the Monero. You know, if you lived up here, it's actually quite profitable. It's like 100% of your waste to heating your house. Now, that's going to be nice for me during this winter, but I've been mining since April, so most of my mining has been during summer, <laughs> which has not been fun. Why are we seeing an uptick in P2 pool, though? I mean, I, I, the incentive is there to use it, right? I don't really understand why people aren't. Because it's more complicated. Like Because when you when you first start mining... 
you can just literally go support XMR three 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 and your XM rig with your address and be done. Whereas with P two pool, you got to set up a node, then you got to set up the P two pool, then you got to set up XM rig. So it's just more complicated. But you get a that, more consistent payout. Yeah, and another thing that I'd point out about um, what uh, Comrade was trying to say earlier is a lot of these problems will be solved with the development of like things like an independent. OS and things like a thumb drivable, uh, like immediately works, just plug it into a computer. Like, because just use Goopax. Yeah, they or Goopax is another good example. Um, but you know, there's a lot of people who are probably using support XMR. The only reason is, is they have rented server space, they need to have it either way. So it's just easy, even for like highly tech savvy people like network admin um, using support XMR uh, for like their excess computing power is just faster and easier. Um, and they don't have to keep up with the latest on like, you know, what update does what or what. It, it, and if they've already been using it and it continues to work, then the incentive is there for them to keep using it until eventually not only the payouts are more on par with support xmr but if if the price of monero goes up even you know 40 50 bucks all of a sudden that you know that six percent that support xmr or 0.6 percent that it charges you is going to start to amount to enough to do the extra legwork of using p to pool but right now, I mean, you're talking about pennies, even at a network admin level, you know, like the price has to go up for it to be more fiscally, like reasonable to switch from what you're already doing. I, yeah, also, see. Okay. I was just going to point out that support XMR's fee is 0.6%. Nanopools is 1%. Could be part of the reason why there's been a switch. It'd be, it'd be nice to see, and it, it may do this already, but that Monero OS that was being discussed earlier if you can just literally put your address into it and then boot it up and it starts P2 pool immediately and starts XM rig immediately with your address. Yeah. Like, and well, literally kind of all you did was turn the dang thing on without having to do anything at all. It's so close too. like, I don't know if you noticed, but like they're so fucking close to it being at that level. Um, and, and that's what we're holding out on. I mean, just remember like Monero people, you know, not to brag or anything, but we're pretty far ahead of the curve on what people are looking for, right? And we're willing to do the homework to figure out how to make things work in our lives today where they're at right now. But that said, you know, these these things usually take a while to, you know, to 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 come around to the point where the ease of use and the value proposition has been settled in everybody's minds you know i've been like every shirt i own that i wear out in public has an xmr logo on it one way or another people i've been saying this stuff to for three years now are finally like hey can you set me up with some yeah yeah i got you know <laughs> all right all right guys we will we will call there great as always thank you Laska anon thank you shortwave surfer uh thanks to new two people who came on yeah for the for those guys Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, we do these shows every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern. We will see you next week. Thank you for joining us on this week's Monerotopia episode. We stream live shows every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern. You can find and subscribe to our show on YouTube and Odyssey or listen to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter or join us in the Monerotopia Telegram group. 
See you all next week.